welcome back to the Readiness Report live with myself, Aaron Sigerman, my co-host, Eric Hart, the Silky Tuba himself, and we are back for episode number 10. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's 10 now. 10 weeks in a row. Yeah, if we're either going to, you know, we're on our way to a great show or a divorce, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So every 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 episode, we, we, we learn things about what we want to do, how we'd like it to be better, and, uh, and what we did right, right? Every single episode we're learning, and, and so is Johnny over there. So we're getting better and better each time, right? <laughs> we play a drinking game of how many times you yell at Johnny. Yes, that's right. That's right. So uh, this show is no different than the rest. We have a great guest. We have a lot of cool news. But the thing that does make it different is because Seth Ferrosi, which I'm going to introduce in just a moment, is somebody that uh, I, uh, I think people would be interested in his opinions on the news. And he actually has his own segment for, for this particular show. Uh, the I'll save the name. Yeah, uh, please do. For, yes. So uh, I think that it will be great before we uh, get going with the news because every day, every show, we do the news. And uh, and also, by the way, guys, yes, the question and answer segment is open. We have Ryan right over there who's handling the question and answer segment. If you are on YouTube Live or Facebook Live, Ryan is actually the one answering the questions at this very moment. And he will save the good questions and ask them during the show at the most appropriate time to Seth Frosty, myself, or Eric Hart. So make sure you ask the questions. If you don't see your question being answered, that's okay, because we'll come back to it very shortly after. So without further ado, right, we're going to introduce Seth Frosty, who is an IFBB pro bodybuilder, an entrepreneur on his own right, a podcaster for the HWMF podcast. He owns Axe and Sledge Supplements. And he owns All American Roughnecks. I feel like I got to step up my game with all these different businesses, Seth. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. You can't count uh, OnlyFans page as entrepreneur. You know, a lot of people do though these days. I mean, a lot of people. This is look. This is a rough time. You need seven avenues of revenue to become a millionaire. <laughs> so, so I read that in a book. Are you? Are you? You're at, are you at four now, Seth? Or is there more than these? No, uh, we, uh, the other supplement company that we own is uh, American Made Nutrition. American okay. Made Nutrition is a uh, uh, no, uh, no artificial flavors, no artificial sweeteners, organic. Uh, we went that route with that company um, rather than mix it into uh, Axe and Sledge Supplements. Uh, my other business partner started that company five years ago. And as we have continued to grow our relationships, we now own everything together. Oh, that's very cool. So that means yeah. you got five then? So yes, five. So and well, we, uh, the gymnastics, uh, Elegance Elite Gymnastics, that was a passion project that we started last year. And um, it has grown exponentially. It's actually out of control right now uh, because whenever we build it, you know, you, you have kids. The, the one thing that whenever you have kids, you just want to make sure that they have a place to go that's a positive environment. And especially having young girls like I do, uh, I want these young girls to turn into young women to be powerful, to be strong-minded, and to be able to think for themselves. So gymnastics was a great way to do that. And Hannah, my fiance, runs everything uh, in the gym, and then I just do all the business on the back end. That's six. That's six. That's yeah. six. So I'm not saying this is the right answer, but your <laughs> segment here on uh, on the readiness report today. You know, I have a feeling that segment could lead to number seven. Who knows? You could take that idea and run with it on your own if you like, if you like it. Okay? I've, I've, I've read many books on this subject, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. So uh, before I don't want to ruin the uh, I don't want to ruin the, the surprise of your uh, your segment name and then what you're bringing to the table here, Seth. So uh, let's start off with our first news story of the week, which is KFC to print 3D chicken using lab grown meat of the future. 
What do you think? Just with the title, Seth, what do you think of that? Ah, no. <laughs> I can't do it, dude. No. Not with everything going on today. It just it 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 absolutely blows my mind that people think this is a good idea. Did you did, did the chicken just put you over the edge? Oh man, come on, dude. I'm I am as podunk as they come in this industry. I don't think there's guy sister Nino pretty much he's the only guy that could rival me on being a heck. And um, but I can't do the fake, I can't do the fake food. I can't do it. So so the, Fuck deal, no. the deal is, Seth, is that the fast food chain actually partnered with a 3D bioprinting solution company in Russia to develop the very first laboratory produced chicken nuggets. Wow. I mean, if that's as un-American as you could get. Oh my that's god, a little, that's Russian a little scary. Chicken, Russian chicken. There's been collusion between chicken the collusion. <laughs> <laughs> KFC. Oh my God. I mean, this is this is one way to make a world economy. They're gonna they're they're pushing for it, and this is pretty wild. I mean, ah, oh, dude, no. Popeyes were good. Yeah, I would rather go with Popeyes. I, go with that. I feel like they, they're really, they're really they're making a mistake here with this 3D printed chicken. It's still uh, finger looking licking good though. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. if that's chicken though, it does look pretty tasty. I gotta I gotta say it's, it's like something it. you'd make with a play-doh kit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like what, what, what? I don't even know where I'd start with it. Like, do you? I guess uh, no. Fuck no, can't do it. I wouldn't feed that shit to my kids. No way. <laughs> like they're just gonna eat. Like at least the chicken nuggets that we do eat now are the are the you know the buttholes and at least parts of the real chicken. Like that's okay. Like a hot dog yeah. asshole and lips and all that stuff. It's like it's still alive at some point. It's <laughs> grown in a lab. One of the best delicacies you could have. That's that. probably how they make this shit. <laughs> I'm. I'm Probably the cells they use. Yeah. Oh man, no go for me, dude. <laughs> well, what do you think? There's a question. I mean, if they do start, because bodybuilding is fucking expensive. So, with as expensive it as it is, and you know as much as I know that young amateurs have no money. Even some guys that are turning pro have no money. If the chicken was fake, cheaper, but had the same macros, you think it'd be big in the industry? I oh. think maybe, but I think it's going to be more expensive. I think so, too. There's no way that's going to be cheaper. It's going to be more, Seth. Way more. Get out of here. Got to be. It's got to be. A, yeah, no way. It'd have to be cheaper. This doesn't kill any chicken, Seth. It's a rest oh, from oh, a, a oh, no. the environment by spending more. They're going to give. That's the pitch on it. Yeah. You're not that's, the, that's the real pitch on it is the environment of environmental controls. Well, that's the real question, right? So say this thing picks up speed and everybody's eating these fake chickens and fake, we have, a, we're Beyond Meat, we're going to go to in a second. So Beyond Meat is a, a company yeah. that's uh, doing very well financially. I mean, in terms of the stock price, it's gone crazy. So this Beyond Meat, they make fake meat in, in, in general. Not, I don't know if they do chicken, but they do beef specifically. Yeah, I, that yeah. beef more than anything. Beef, beef more than anything. So my, my question is, yeah, I know it's ridiculous, right? So it's it's uh the this this stuff, right? What happens to all the farmers? What happens to all the people raising the, the cows and the, and the chickens and all the all of this cascade of effect? Let's say it gets popular, all those people are out of work. All the and then and then why even have the chickens in the first place? Then all the chickens are, get rid of the chickens. Get rid of the what's the point in having cows? You can get the you can make them in a lab like this. So this is where in lies, like you just said, like uh, I mean, you're thinking from a business perspective, and that's how I think about everything. And then it, it sounds like you just put on a tinfoil hat. You're like, they'd never do that. They wouldn't push to get rid of the farmers. This is just for some people. Mm -mm. No, I mean, you're, I think you're 100 percent right. I think that the farmers are going to take a huge hit. 
Um, I mean, around here, there's, I mean, we're five minutes away from a, a really large farm here. And I talked to the the guy where I get all my, the majority of my everyday meats. They're like a self-sustained farm. Um, and he called the meat shortages. He's called everything that's occurring right now. He's like, that's what they're pushing for. Is, so is he worried about uh, like Beyond Meat and these other uh, fake root things? So he's a simpleton, you know what I mean? He's a, he's the type of guy that, uh, I mean, around in our area, they have they can't produce enough. Let's put it that way. Uh, like uh, a lot of people around here love the farmer's markets. They love everything that uh, that the small businesses stand for. So, I mean, we're in a very unique spot because it's a it, Western PA is, we're like classy West Virginians. Let's put it that way. So uh, <laughs> I, West I joke, West Virginia, uh, we don't sleep with our cousins. Uh, but, um, uh, around here, they have a lot of support. So he's not so much worried about his own personal business, but on the large scale of Walmarts, uh, where the majority of the larger cities and general public get their food. He's like, it's going to change. He's, he's pretty much with everything like you're showing here, the beyond beef. He said, yes. He's like, I do see it changing in the, in the yeah. more near future than we all want. Let's put it that way. Which is crazy when you look at the nutritional facts on the Beyond stuff. It's horrible. Is it? Oh my God! Yeah, high high sugar, high fat. You know, and again, incomplete proteins. I just don't. I don't get it. And also, too, you take like the um, Russian 3D chicken. Uh, you gotta wonder: Can your body actually break it down and process it the same? Yeah, does it does right. it enzymatically work the same way for breaking down those chains where it can assimilate them again? You gotta wonder. And I'm sure there's not going to be fucking FDA testing on that one. No, and, and, uh, and <laughs> no, uh -uh. anymore, but you can eat 3D chicken, so it's like <laughs> chicken nuggets. Right. Oh, those are nuggets, that's why. Right. Oh, nuggets. <laughs> All right, so shifting gears to uh, to the next rational subject, Seth, is, is of course Kanye West. Kanye oh, West uh, is the next one on the list. So Kanye West is an interesting guy for sure. He may he may have some problems, it's possible. Yeah, it's called uh, Kardashians. Yeah, maybe that's it. Who knows? Could it be the, the the Kardashian family, or could it just be something else? Or the real question is, could it be all bullshit and this is all an act to get attention for the next album or some other shit like that? Right. So, John, play um, before we get into this. Play this guy losing his mind at this uh, pep speech. rally slash whatever to, yeah. for presidential campaign. <laughs> Go ahead, hit it. My mom saved my life. My dad wanted to abort me. My mom saved my life. There would have been no Kanye West because my dad was too busy. So, so, I didn't so, watch all. I didn't see that part. Oh yeah, he got a little emotional there, Seth. He he went from like, I don't know, I don't know if that was the best idea for like a campaign strategy. You know, I don't 
not not exactly presidential. What, what do you think? No, I don't think he did a good job. I think the dudes. I, I, I mean, like you said, like you never know with these people because they're driving traffic. Any traffic is good traffic, even if it's bad traffic. Nice. Um, and and you know they 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 all know that, but that was rough. And then he he went off the handlebars later on there, and I'm like, I don't know if the dude's losing it or he's just getting attention for something that's going to happen. Because I mean, we we're talking about it now. That was their goal. Oh yeah. Well, he's. He is certainly uh, popular and influential, and so there's a lot of talk, Seth, um, in the in the internet world. Is so would Kanye's run for president help or hurt Donald Trump? And a lot of people, obviously, he's very close to Donald Trump, and he was one of the very few people allowed to go up to Trump Tower and see him uh, before uh, he was inaugurated and stuff and became president of the United States. And there's talk that's saying, well, well, he's splitting the vote, like so the the liberal vote, or at least this is the talk. Is that people who might vote for Biden go, well, I don't like I don't like that guy. That's a white guy who can't put sentences together. Kanye, you know, I can relate to him. I'll go with him. Right. And so it's splitting the vote. I personally don't think I don't think that's a real thing. I, I but I don't know. I mean, well, it, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's that well orchestrated, even though politics are dirty. I just think it might be a happy accident for, you know, the, the Republican Trump, Party yeah. that. Yeah, because it essentially it will pull the undecided voter, uneducated voter away yeah. from Biden. But, so. but the question is, will he even make it? I mean, so he obviously got no, on obviously one of the I mean, like, it looks <laughs> like to me that, that, that he is, he is, you know, certainly coming off the tracks, right? And uh, and is is holding on by, you know, a thread. But that's what it looks like anyway. I mean, is could it all be an access? Is this all possibly just an act to get attention? I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea, but I, I'd put it on the, I'd put it on the act side, but at the same time with everything going on in the world, man, people are losing their shit. Yeah. I don't think people, I don't think the majority of, uh, I wouldn't say the majority. I think there's a group of people that have a very loud voice because of the media that have no fucking clue about anything in life. Cause we all remember how dumb we were at like 18 to 22, but like, uh, uh that generation, that group of, uh, that group of individuals has a very loud voice because they're always in the news now. You know, that's all the news posts about. That's all they're talking about. Um, and I don't know how large of a group that is, but I mean, for him, I think he's just losing his shit. I think he's off the handlebars. I mean, like you said, you're showing all these uh, these tweets and I'm like, man, I don't know. I have no clue what to make of it all. And the fact that people like the young people, like you said, he's so, so influential. I'm like, I really don't want to take advice from anyone like that. No. Because uh, he's so emotional, so over the top. And they're like these people's fame and their money don't actually stem from their mind. You know what? Somebody be, is behind the scenes doing all the work for them. Yeah. Like they're not actually intelligent business entrepreneurs. They're just people that are a forefront that somehow this whole young generation thinks are geniuses. But in reality, there's high powered businessmen behind everything. I think uh, for me, I mean, I don't think it's going to split the vote either. I think everybody has their mind made up whether they're voting for Trump or Biden. I think everybody made their mind up already. I, I agree. Uh, I think it'd be very difficult to, to change anybody's mind at this point. Um, oh yeah. Not happening. Mm -mm. The, the question is, is this is my, this is my question is, yeah. He is a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, um, and from these ugly-ass shoes he sells, 
and <laughs> all the thing on how ugly these shoes are. But um, so will they drop him? So Adidas, well, I mean, they are fucking super ugly. I mean, well, he's the owner of Adidas, though. Is he an owner in all of Adidas? Oh, uh, well, the, the Yeezy, Yeezy brand, right? So, but they're, they're talking about will this is the talk in the town, right? On the internet, will Gap, which he's got a sponsorship with Gap, which is weird because he makes his own clothes, right? And will Adidas drop Yeezy altogether? So that's the talk, and um, I'll hear your opinion first. What do you think? In this time, day and age, I don't think so because it's getting the Yeezy brand attention. It's bringing in a lot of revenue. And, and Easy Brand is killing it. Right? That's killing what I mean. It's like murdering it. You have to sign up for a spot in line to try to buy the shoes where they take your credit card up front in hopes that you get a spot to buy a pair That's of crazy. shoes. So, you know, it's too big of a moneymaker. It's too much publicity for them, good or bad. Someone's still going to buy the shoes. So anybody Johnny, who likes well, them. While we're talking, pull up the ugliest shoes you can find. You know, so <laughs> I personally wouldn't think that they would part ways with him. Gap, maybe, because I don't know, because he's got his own thing going. It might maybe be less they, collateral maybe, damage. Maybe they fucking won't, though, because it's like... Who goes to so, Gap? Well, he's... Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe that, but he's so popular, like, maybe... maybe. Sorry, that's... Seth, if you shop at Gap. Oh, no, I'm good. It's been years since I shopped there. Gap. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, that's the question, is how important is he for the money? That's a good one, Johnny. Yeah, that's a good one. When you got think Seth, that, would you wear this? Be honest. Would you wear this? Because I could see you in a dad's shoes. Seth. Put your shoes up. Are you wearing those right now? <laughs> he's not wearing this one. Let's see. He's got. Let me talk to him. At least he's got pants on. Yeah, that's good. Nope. Mm -mm. Those were the ones where I drew the line. I was like, no, I understand the shoe game. People were into it. I got it. But um, I mean, that's the thing that, that I. Uh, this is where it makes me feel like so much of a dad because I'm like, oh, I don't understand these young dumb kids today. And I'm like, man, I would not wear that fucking shoe. But the some of the Yeezys, I get it. They're cool. They're popular. They're expensive. It's a fad. It's a fashion. But uh, no, I don't think they're going to drop him either. I think that he hasn't said he hasn't said anything controversial to the point where everyone's up in arms. They're more or less just worried about his well being because he's he sounds crazy. Yeah, well, it's a lot Seth, about family. Yeah, well, Seth. First off, those those shoes are only seven hundred dollars. So it's. You know, <laughs> On, on on your side with maybe wanting them but um you have people like nick cannon uh saying crazy crazy shit and losing his job and then getting it back because who knows what's right and wrong these days you can you can demonstrate and smash windows in new york city and be okay but you gotta wear a mask or you're going to jail so i mean it's a crazy world right now yeah. this is the most insane thing that i think anybody any generation has ever seen uh I think that um, I don't know the, the negativity that's involved in the entire world kind of blows my mind because at some point we were all young, dumb, aggressive, but um, uh, the amount of hate that's spewing from people and the, 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 the voice that they have now is, is fucking beyond me because I'm like, I get lost because in America, it's a land of opportunity, the opportunity for anybody to be great. And everybody's dealt a different hand of cards in life. And it's what you make that hand of. And that's kind of the greatness of what we do. That's the story that's empowering to these people in different scenarios. That's empowering to people that have been down and out. And uh, I mean, the uh, the remarks that people are making is it blows it blows my fucking mind because the whole whenever George Floyd uh, was killed. I don't think there was a human being on the planet that was like, good job. And then it turned out that everybody actually was, that it, it, they were saying people actually were for it. I'm like, no, but it's, uh, it stemmed into some wild shit right now.
Yeah. Wild. It did. It's interesting how, if you think back to the beginning of uh, when the coronavirus like started really like happening, there was a lot of solidarity where I felt like, you know, people in my neighborhood, I'm just thinking of myself in my neighborhood, because I do cardio outside every morning, people would, would wave, everybody's waving at everybody, everybody's really friendly. It almost felt like it was going to bring America back together. It reminded me after 9-11 where people are flying the flag and it was like everybody was together. And I really like felt that for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden there's something happened and it got like people got real fucking angry. And then the George Floyd thing happened and then all the anger got taken out and then everybody was bad. Anybody who doesn't wear a mask is a a racist and white supremacist should die. And then everybody who doesn't, I mean, it got crazy, crazy all of a sudden. So there was some kind of shift or like where it went off, went off a ledge where for one second we had like a positivity and like people were coming together and everybody was like, we're all together in this. And then all of a sudden uh, somewhere along the line, whether it's accidental, manufactured, depending on how crazy you want to get, um, or, you know, whatever, something changed dramatically. And uh, and it went from like, so like, you know, we talked about Donald Trump, where people were like getting behind him. They're like, who cares what the politics are? We all want to live. We're all together on this. And that's totally shifted somewhere along the line. Yeah, it's like you said, it sounds a little manufactured. And that makes everybody sound like you put your tinfoil cap on and you're all crazy. But then you're like, I don't know, man. The shit that's going on is too wild to not think critically and question absolutely everything. Yeah. And and like you guys with business, you guys do the same thing every day. You're thinking critically about your about your customers, about your employees. You are thinking 10 steps ahead of what other people are thinking in order to run a successful business. And if people don't think that that's what's going on in the world right now, they're out of their fucking mind. There's things going on that we don't know, and uh, we just have to do the best thing that we can do to prepare ourselves for anything and just be a good person. Because at the end of the day, it's like the whole the whole the whole race war that goes on. It blows my mind to think that people are supposed to choose a side and people are supposed to, uh, uh, like I said, choose a side. And I like I think to myself, I'm like all of my employees, we have people that are in interracial relationships. We have black people. We have white people. We have male. We have female. And I think. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Go into my place of business and say, choose a side or get the fuck out? No, that makes no sense. So the fact that we have to do that and uh, that people expect us to do it at a large level of the country is just out of their fucking minds. They're out of their minds. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, man. So let's go to the next story. Um, this is an interesting one. because it's something that uh, that I don't think that anybody expected, at least... Uh, Pre like a year ago, or even oh. even even six months ago, nobody would have ever thought this was a real story, uh, like many of the stories these days. Uh, Mike Tyson is facing Roy Jones Jr. in a September twelfth exhibition match for eight rounds, and they're going to actually get in the ring and they're going to fight. Who the hell would have ever thought that could have been a possibility? Former two most baddest men on the planet squaring fighting. off, yeah, in their fifties, yeah. It's what like do you a, think, Seth? It's like a cookout. You don't watch, <laughs> watch that shit or what? I am paying for it. Yes. I will pay good money for that fight. I don't care if it's uh, – I mean, it's so much – there's so much nostalgia in it because if you were a fan of, of any type of competitive sports back then, you knew Mike Tyson, you knew Roy Jones Jr., and every I, – I don't care if they're old as shit right now. I would love to see it. I'll pay good money. I'm, uh, I'm in the position where it's like I just want to see entertaining stuff. Yeah. And I expect these athletes should get paid great money because they're beating the hell out of themselves. They're putting on a show for me. And if I'm going to pay money, I expect to see a show. And I want to see you guys go at it. Like UFC, I think they should get paid more money. I think that 
I think that uh, every athlete should get paid more money if they if uh, if there is the money to get paid from the business perspective, just because it's short lived and I want to see the wild shit. Give me the wild shit. So I'm paying good money for this fight. I would. I love oh, it. Hell yeah. It's it's one of those fantasy fights you always, you know, in their prime would have been like, what if Roy Jones Jr. went up against Mike Tyson? Because Roy Jones Jr., I mean, he fought as a heavyweight. I hate point. to, yeah, he did. He went, he was middleweight, super middle, lightweight, heavyweight. I'm assuming heavyweight was because it was just towards the end of his career and he was out of shape. But uh, Roy Jones Jr. was untouchable. You think Floyd Mayweather Jr. is fucking untouchable. Like, Roy, but the thing is, Roy Jones actually got in there and boxed where, you know, as good as Floyd Mayweather Jr. is, he's a counterpuncher and just avoids a fight for 12 rounds. Yeah. Um, no, he's boring. boring. Yeah. yeah. Well, Roy Jones mixed it up. He'd knock people out. Yeah. I mean, one of his first losses was when he knocks, he got DQ'd because he hit someone after he knocked them out on their way down. That was his first loss. But then he ended up getting knocked out, and that was kind of the end of his career. And then you have Tyson, who phew, the back end of his career was fucking awful. Yeah. Um, but like Eduardo and I were talking about earlier, when they're not, you know, they're not supposed to like fight for knockouts in this. Tyson's never gone more than six rounds, I think. I don't know if he if he's gone longer than that. And it's an eight round fight. I think Tyson's going to come out there and fucking lose his mind and oh, go yeah. nuts on him. You can even see in the video, Johnny. You have the video. Go to this video. We'll see. The age of fifty four. Why do why come back and compete? Because this is not. You're not playing golf on a senior tour. You're taking punches in the like boxing is a dangerous sport. What is it inside you that made you feel like you wanted to get back in the ring? I just it's, it's because I can do it, and um, I I can do it, and I believe other people believe they can do it too. Just because um, we're 54, that don't mean we have to start a new career and our life is totally over. Not when you feel as beautiful as I do, and I'm sure other people feel the same way. Human beings are not meant to be humble. Unbelievable. We're not born to be humble. We're born to be humble. Everybody know it. Boxing is a brutal sport. He dominated. Dominated. His legs are huge. His thighs are huge. His arms are huge. His neck is huge. So it's like, it's very risky, yes. But God is in control of all. I was beating everybody in every weight class I was in. What she gonna do? It's like David and Goliath. He's a giant monster we know. And my ego's with me and I'm saying, you think you fly, huh? You ain't shit, look. Amateur getting here, kick your ass. You better get on top of your game. You want to get embarrassed in front of these people? And I'm little old David who only has God on my side, <laughs> which is only all I need. <laughs> and then the other ego say, F you, and watch what I'm going to Okay. So if that was any, Seth, if that's any sign of what's going to happen, Mike is going to get in there and he's going to rock him. He's going to lose his mind. I can't wait. <laughs> That's the. I mean, the thing is, the dude's a the dude's a lunatic. Hold on, I'm going to go inside so we got a little more uh, light in here. It's got dark outside. That's all right. Give us a tour, or whatever. <laughs> um, I think you know, the funny thing with all this is, is because of the timing of all this, because the timing of COVID and all this other stuff. It may be the exact right timing for these guys to make big money, right, Eric? Oh, 100%, because every other major sport's kind of on hiatus. Right. Um, 
this is something that where they can isolate it. It's pay-per-view. So whoever that triller company, smart, because they're they're making it pay-per-view. They're right. gonna generate money. They don't need big money. Yeah, they don't need people to be there. Look, Seth, right away. I know I will. I, I'll, I'm paying for everybody it. in our age range that makes money now <laughs> will pay for this because we grew up wanting to see this fight. Nobody's missing a Tyson fight at, at this point. No way. Throw Ivan Drago in there. Fuck, I'm done. Uh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> But yeah, no, this is it's gonna honestly it's gonna be amazing. It's probably the most excited I got today. I was like, this is legit. So yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's the th it's gonna make it fun too. And you know, there's gonna be crazy bets on it, and it's gonna spike the industry, and it'll be good, and it'll be entertaining. Um, I'm I'm gonna take Tyson. Me so too. I'm taking. Me too. Yeah, I, it's one of those things like Jones could punch, but he had speed. But at that age, you tend to lose speed. Where Tyson looks like he's he's ready to fight. Yeah. <laughs> I would not want to get hit by Tyson. So no, no. Mm -hmm. you know, nope. Hitting the bag and stuff, you're like, holy shit. Or hitting the guy's pads, you're like, holy shit. Well, he you, looks the same as he did before. Yeah, when he was younger, they used to have to use 300 pound heavy bags because he'd break open the normal yeah, ones. That's right. Like, yeah, I mean, the guy is, he registered, what was the highest punching power pounds yeah, per square inch like ever? 1,600 pounds per square inch. And he generates it from this much movement. <clears throat> yeah. Like, that's scary shit. All right. Before we go to uh, actually interviewing Seth, because we got stuff to actually talk about with Seth other than the news, just a quick uh, momentary thing, because we're going to go into much more detail about this in the future. But the Redcon One Foundation donated to uh, our first um, person that we were able to help. The Redcon One Foundation, the point of it is to donate to military families who are in need, and not just to military families, but a specific military family every month with the hopes of donating to many military families eventually and, and changing their lives. And our first person we donated to was Courtney Brown, a uh, 31-year-old uh, Marine combat veteran, served from 2007 to 2011, married with three children, uh, received the Marine Combat Achievement Medal with uh, Combat Valor with a gold star uh, in lieu of a second uh, award, along with many, many other, many, many other uh, awards. I'm not going to list them all because this will all be in the video. Uh, he recently, due to the pandemic, lost his job and to make ends meet, he took his job, a job at the Fed, at FedEx. And unfortunately, within two weeks of working there, caught the virus is when it was unable to work for uh, since then. So, uh, Johnny, play that video and um, we'll come right back and then go to commercial break. So, so with that in mind, can you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family and your military service? I got out of the Marine Corps in 2011. And like most veterans, after getting out, unless you have something already lined up, I didn't have anything to really transition to. So I found myself just going back to doing regular nine to five jobs, working two jobs to make ends meet. But uh, I also did have COVID myself. And after starting, you know, a new job, and I've only been on 30 days, that's the major setback. So, so Courtney, in our closing, um, I do have some great news for you. We're going to take care of six months of your mortgage for you. That's We're amazing. going to take care of We're going to, our, our president, uh, Aaron Sigmund, at first we were looking at three months. And then he said, let's go bigger. It, it was his decision to go bigger. So we are going to provide you $8,000. And we are going to provide that for your mortgage. So uh, a member of our team will be reaching out to you to make sure that we get that money to you. But um, you're the first person to receive this donation from the Redcon One Foundation. I don't think we could have picked a better candidate. Thank you. Thank you for your service to our great nation. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you all. Have a great day. I appreciate it so much. So uh, Courtney is the first person to, to receive the uh, financial aid. And we're going to be paying for six months of his mortgage. So very, very cool. A lot of people that, uh, that love Redcon One are not just, you know, helping uh, buy cool supplements and, and you know, 
creating Redcon One's business, but also helping other people. So. Yeah, you know me, like I'm, how little I love going to the bank. It was nice to go the other day and wire the money to him and, yeah. you know, know that like, hey, this is this money's making a difference for someone like that actually will have an impact. So, yes. yeah, it was like, yeah, good day. I agree. I agree. It's definitely nice that it's one of those funny things in life where until you actually make a difference in other people's lives, you really focus on yourself. And then when you do something nice for somebody else and make a difference in their life, especially make a big difference, you realize that, that that's a lot of what life's about is, is changing other people's lives and using your whatever you got for good for other people. Yeah, I'd far rather give and help people than get something for myself. Yeah. Like I don't, there's nothing I need in life. I don't know, like monetary shit I need at this point. So it literally is like, it feels good to be able to help someone, even if it, from small to big, just that uh, you can make a difference. Yeah, so. I agree. So there's going to be a lot of video coverage. We're, obviously, one of the things that was really, uh, um, I don't know about you, Seth, but for for me uh, and for, for Eric, it's always in the, in the beginning of Redcon in, in, in my life, it's not that I early in my life or even the middle of my life to now, it's not like I had an opportunity to help a lot of people. I mean, I was pretty self-involved and, and and then before that with drugs and stuff. So I never really had an opportunity to help anybody. But um, once I did, I always thought it was like, you, I always heard, you know, given silence, right? So if you're giving, like, you shouldn't be trying to get anything for yourself. You shouldn't be like trying to get glory or, or accolades for giving something that kind of ruins the, the giving. I always thought that, and then uh, one day the rabbi came to the office. Everybody here knows Greg Khan, one rabbi, Arle Gopin. So he came in and we talked and, and he said, hey, but if you tell people, more people want to participate and help, then you'll be able to give to more people. I'm like, oh, shit, that makes that makes sense. You know, and, and we've totally 100% found that to be true. If you don't tell anybody you're doing anything good, nobody will ever be able to participate and help out and do more good. And now that we've been telling people, that's why I said, you know, one family, one day, maybe families a month, maybe a hundred families a month. Who knows? Yeah, and then again, it's because sometimes it's going to be smaller, sometimes it's going to be more grand, but yeah. as long as you're making an impact, exactly, exactly, absolutely. Well, uh, congratulations with it all, it's really awesome. And I think that, like you said, uh, it's always one of those things where you want to give in silence, and there's a ton of people that do, but I think it's important for everybody to understand anything from small to large makes a huge deal in these people's lives. My dad's. My dad is somebody who's done it uh, in silence for a long time. Uh, and whenever the only way that you can really give large amounts and give those 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 large donations and like you, what you've done there um, is to really build a brand where you're financially stable to be able to start having these large impacts. And like you said, Eric, it was like, you know, I'm in a position where I don't need all these great monetary value things i'm very satisfied with my life so why not start to do something that's way bigger than yourself and and that's what you guys are doing that's what we strive for uh personally that was a big thing with us with the gymnastics a nice community uh, uh create a community for young girls it's these things that um uh it takes a lot more work like the foundation is probably a lot of work <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't run itself um so uh, it's it's great that you guys are doing that and and pushing for more. That's what it's supposed to be about. And for again, like you said, for people to see it, people need to see that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's it, it initially, you know, like your like your your dad does, um, but then when you realize that you're influencing other people and there are other people out there, even other business owners like you, you know, so people see that this is something that's being done that is working and it's that it's you know a lot of people uh, will look at somebody. You know, and I'm not talking about Seth here because Seth, Seth is not, we, you know, 
I have an unusual, I think, and I think Seth is the same as, as us. I have an unusual belief that there's a lot of success out there. And just because me and Seth, us and Seth are technically competitors, we're not. I don't believe that Seth having success is going to remove success from Redcon. No. Axe and Sledge, I want to be the, the best company in the world other than Redcon, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's, I, I got a bunch of messages. I'm sure you guys do. You got people like, so you're going on a competitor's podcast. And I'm like, well, listen, but in the industry, if you haven't noticed, we've been in it for a long time. There is plenty of money to go around. There's right. a lot of people and that's been, it's supposed to be fun and enjoyable. Uh, you see people connect with certain products. You see people connect with certain brands, but me personally, growing up in this industry and absolutely loving it since I was the 14, 15 years old, it's like I wanted to try a bunch of different stuff. And then whenever I found something I liked, I stuck with it. And then I was like, but I want to try this. So it's, I think uh, some people have a misconception, but at the same time, it, it, you're a competitive guy. I've known you for a while now. I'm a competitive person. In business, it's great because it's a way that, for me, at least transitioning from bodybuilding into business, it is way harder to run a business. It's way more fun. And the relationships that, that, that we have with all this, it's all about being competitive. It's all about becoming better. It's all about like uh, uh, building your brand. So to say that I don't want to see people have success is, is crazy. Uh, but to say that I don't want to become the best supplement company out there, I mean, it's like you said, <laughs> I want Axe and Sledge Supplements to become the best supplement company next to Redcon. <laughs> it's supposed to be that way. And I don't think, uh, and not everybody gets it, but I mean. Yeah, thing, like you say, though, I mean, with that competitiveness, the end consumer wins. If we're all, we're all trying to be our best and it elevates the, the, yeah. industry, the brands, it washes out the bottom feeders. Yeah. You know, when, I, when I came up in the supplement business, I mean, there's like six companies. And you weren't allowed to be friends with someone from another supplement company, let alone share business practices where I always tell people the number of times we've sat with someone and shared information oh, and yeah. best practices. Cause it's like, listen, you're your brand. We're our brand. You can copy our playbook, but you're not, it's not the same personality, the same no. people. So why not try to make as many good companies out well, there as possible? Well, we had uh, Seth's good friend, uh, and my, and my friend too, Jason Hall on yeah, the show. And, yeah. and uh, Jason and me talk, uh, you know, a little less last month, but usually we talk a few times a week or, or at least text a few times a week. And um, I mean, we had him on the show. Uh, it was great to have him on the show. He's a great guy. And when Jason asks me uh, advice or if I ever ask Jason anything, we're totally open and transparent because it just doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. There's not going to be. Uh, and if if one person goes from Redcon to to uh, steal supplements, I'd be like, good, go, right? It's cool. Like at least you're not going to one of these companies I don't like or that we have no relationships with. Go, and then right. I, Jason would say the same thing. Who cares? It's it's you know it's not. It doesn't need to be, you know, beat the shit out of each other and crush people. That's just not how. I, just not the right. I just no, there's right. there's plenty of money to go around. I think I've noticed that, and it's uh, and the end in the consumer needs to win in the end. It's uh, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be intense. There's these everybody's working to become better, and like and people connect with certain things, and that's what makes this all so special. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, coming up, I mean, shit. What was it? 2000, 2016, 2015 is when I called you. I think it was around like Christmas. Johnny, go.
My name is Ben Galloway. And I'm Matt Saracino. We are the Tier Operator Management Team, and we invite you to join the Redcon One family. I joined the Tier Operator Program because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Being a Tier Operator is phenomenal. You want to keep tearing up. You want to work for, yes, the best company in the fitness industry. Redcon One helped me reach my goal, which at the time I didn't even know was a goal. The products work. Like that's, I mean, it's what it is. And I want to help other people reach their fitness goals using these products. I love that it's like a big family. I really enjoy that we can get together at events like this. And it's like, even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's just like we all know each other like we're neighbors. We're not just out here trying to make sales, we're out here trying to change lives. Apply to be a tier operator today. Win big with free supplements this weekend. More and more gyms are opening back up, so Redcon One has an amazing deal to help you stock up your shelves. This Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, spend more than $50 on the Redcon One website and receive a free Be More t-shirt. All the proceeds, including the cost of the shirt, are going to the Navy SEAL Future Fund. Plus, you're also going to get our 15-serving Total War pre-workout formula free. Buy a little more and spend $90 or more, and we'll throw in a two-pound protein powder of your choice absolutely free. That's not a typo, and no, I did not make a mistake. You get to choose any flavor of any of our types of proteins from MRE Light, our vegan protein powder Green Beret, our Whey Isolate Isotope, or any of them, and you get it for free. And we're not even done yet. Use the code MORE30, all one word, MORE30, to save an additional 30% off your entire order at checkout. You cannot beat that deal. Stock up now because we're bringing back the readiness trials with a $100,000 prize. Details are coming soon, so visit redcon1.com to shop today and receive updates. All right, the summer 2020 release. The summer releases are always awesome. Always as American as it can get. Intense freedom, motherfuckers. People forget how important it is to be free. A land of opportunity to work hard, to build things for you, your family, and your people. I was born free and I'm going to die free. I want people to do the things they dream of doing, all from a good spot. Same with the We the People shirt, the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. These are all things that, that, that we need to hold very close to us. The here to work shirts, the high viz, the hardworking motherfuckers of construction, general industry, they're here to work. Born and bred American, one of our best sellers. I was born and bred. I am fucking America through and through. We also have the simple tees. Fresh, clean, feel good, nice pair of shorts, nice pair of jeans, take the woman out. And of course we have tank tops, fresh by the pool, looking good in the gym. The American stamp tee, red, white, and blue. Perfect for barbecuing. And we also had to throw a little bit of fuckery in there. SJ's Yard Barbary. Everybody knows I just had my first son, Seth Jr. That'll be the grass cutting shirt for me. 69% satisfaction guaranteed. <laughs> Pump covers. And it being summer, 4th of July, red, white, and blue is a motherfucker. We went hard with sleeveless pump covers. Once you get the fucking sweat going on the outside, take it off, pumped, looking fresh, looking good. We also teamed up with one badass tattoo artist, Harlan Kantner. This is a limited edition, all-American roughneck tee. Can't pass it up. And ladies, we didn't forget about you this release. We have the women's crop top, a red, white, and blue stamp tee, and a simple tee. And hats. Tons and tons and tons of hats. You motherfuckers love hats. So you will always see a stupid amount of hats on release night. This whole release and everything that we are, we are hardcore Americans. I love this country. We as a company love this country. I couldn't be prouder. 
I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for everybody to continue to enjoy living their life, working hard, slapping an old lady on the ass, making babies, making money, fucking shit up. I love you all. Thank you. And never stop being a hard-working motherfucker. Seth, don't ever say we don't root for you. That was like a four or five minute commercial right there. A guy pissed, came back and pissed again. That's how I got back. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Of course, of course. Uh, Seth, if it doesn't work out with all that stuff, I feel like you're going to fit in really well with Redcon. Oh, man. That's like the uncensored Redcon. You're like uncensored. You're the hardcore Redcon. It's, uh, uh... You know, you know the same. It's been the gig with me. Like whenever I came back in into this, I was like, I can't pretend to be something that I'm not. I'm as I'm as simple as they come. I'm uh, uh, all I all I know how to do is work really hard and continue to better myself and learn from every single mistake that I've ever made. And like, and it's just it's that's anybody that's successful in business and successful in life. You just learn from your mistakes. It's like. Whenever you tell the story about uh, about your addiction to heroin and all and and all the things that you've been through, people would be like, "No fucking way," you know. And that's why whenever you come up to Pittsburgh, we want to have you on the podcast and go through all this to ask you these intricate, intense questions because it does touch a lot of people. That like, it's it's similar to the to just uh, it's similar to the donations. Uh, whenever you talk about these intense parts of your life, uh, people gain such such value for themselves that you can't even put a dollar amount on. Um, and everybody goes through the wild stuff. And for me, it was just, uh, I can't pretend to be something that I'm not. And I'll continue to change and I'll continue to grow uh, every single day. I think, I think probably Seth, that's why people uh, are drawn to you, you know, because you're authentic, you're yourself, unapologetically yourself. And I think that that is a, a very, it shouldn't be, but it's a very rare characteristic these days in, in, in general. And so for, for me, when I talk about those stories, you know, um, I think that people, yeah, there are a lot of people that identify with that. But I think more than anything, they go, well, and this is the part that I like about it, is they go, well, shit, if this guy can do it, and he was such a fuck up, right? And he has all this shit now, and everything's going so good, well, yep. I could probably do it too. And, th and that's what I like about it the most, where if I can, if my story can bring people to believe in themselves a little bit more um, or change a few people say, well, I'm feeling so depressed or unhappy now. I'm in such a bad place, but I can be somewhere better because this guy did. Uh, that's, that's truly what I aspire to because that's, I mean, that literally can change lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's just that simple, that quick statement that, it, that you just said it, but that quick one is why not me? Why not me? Yeah. Why not me? If somebody else can do it, I definitely can. I'm going to work. It might, might be a little harder than the other individual, but it doesn't matter. Just, you just got to work for it. Yeah. I mean, that's so for, for me, when I moved to Boca, um, uh, Seth, you've been to Boca, right? You've been to Boca a few times, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to Boca originally, um, I'll be moving to Florida and the later years in my life for sure. Years. <laughs> Come on down here when you're, we're tired, Seth. Oh uh, yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> Very sweaty. Uh, <clears throat> Slutty or sweaty? Well, he might like both. I ain't <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> might, might not want to wait until you're too old. Yeah, so. that's maybe not. Uh, 
when, when I moved down here, one of the things that, that I love that people are like, a lot of people talk shit about. They're like, you know, you see all these Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Rolls Royce, and it's a very common sight. I mean, a Rolls Royce is a uh, is basically like a Mercedes here, almost. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not a big deal at all. Where I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, there were little. I mean, maybe there were, but I didn't see any Rolls Royce or Lamborghini forever growing up, uh, except for like a car show or something. Nobody was driving them around. Um, so to see it here when I came, I was like. Holy shit, I cannot believe there's all this money here, all this success. And then I started meeting all the people. And as I met people, I'm like, well, he doesn't seem particularly smart, or he doesn't seem so much better than me, or, or so on and so forth. And uh, and it was really inspiring to me to see so much success because all I thought of was like, well, if they can do it, why why can't I? Because there's so much of that here. Yeah. New car, Seth. There you go, Seth. I love them. I've never been a car guy. I've never been a car guy until recently. Whenever uh, my Bob, my business partner, he's a huge car guy. Um, and uh, once I started, oh, you are too. Oh no, I. You I both. Like and if, if we had the conversation the other day, we won't repeat it. <laughs> yeah, yes, he's a car guy. For <laughs> but but, but my thing is, is I the most car. You know, the thing is, is um, I want to see people succeed. I want to see people do things that make them feel alive. And if you work hard for what you want, you deserve to go get it. If that thing might be a Lamborghini, if it's a 10,000 square foot home, if it's a million dollar boat, I don't care what it is. If you work for it, you deserve it. Go enjoy your life and spend your money on those things. And if you see somebody doing better than you, don't hate on them, work for it. Because everybody has different things. I didn't know I really liked fast cars and all this crazy exotic shit until I started seeing them and seeing the excitement and the concept behind it and the fact that these high-end cars are this company's pinnacle of what they do. And if you don't want to see the absolute best of, of an industry, you're crazy. I want to see the best of anything. And uh, that's why I got into uh, I got into vehicles. But my problem is, is I am so indecisive that I have no clue what the fuck I'm doing. That's why you get a bunch of them. I, that's exactly what Bob said. <laughs> I like Bob already. I've never met him. <laughs> Can Bob call my wife? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, his. I think his wife has given up. Bob. Uh, he has a uh, he has an M5 competition series that's all tuned up and yeah. is a yeah. wild ride. And then he um he recently just got a uh, uh, GT3 RS, and it is it's a wild car. Never seen anything like it. Is it's insane. So Seth, let me tell you what we just got. It's like news. This we're we're like, like a gay couple. We yeah. bought a car we got, together. We got a car. Oh, nice. Uh, Exciting. I didn't want to have an extra car, and he didn't want to have an extra car. We'd both be in trouble. So uh, we got a. You won't believe this, Seth, because it's it's not like super manly or anything. Um, we got a trunk full of it is American. It is American made, though. It is American made. Uh, it. We got a Tesla Model S Performance. Yeah. And dude, I have had. I mean, I've had arguably some of the fastest cars in, in history, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you know, I've had some super fast cars. This car puts them all to shame. It literally puts them all to shame. It's awesome. It's we, ridiculous, right? It's it's fun. Like, and I've got. I love horsepower. I love American muscle cars. I've had some like, you know, high. That's it. It's not yeah. particularly attractive. You know, that but, car, that right there is is Hannah's dream car. Is it? Uh, oh yeah, she's she's like she wants a Tesla so bad, and right now we're uh, we can't we can't even order what we want. We want to get it. We need to get a big family vehicle, 
And right now we can't even order the Cadillac Escalades. Um, she's like, I want the 20, the new Escalades, the 2021s. And then I look at cars almost pretty much almost every day. And, uh, and she's like, I want a Tesla. And I'm like, really? And then we started looking at them and going through it. And she's like, yep. She's like, that's the car I want. So my wife had a model X. It has, it has three rows. Yeah. It's extremely fast. Um, it's as fast as like a, a Lamborghini Huracan for real. Um, yeah. and, uh, and Darielle liked it for a long time, and then she hated it. Um, but she loved, she liked it for years, and then hated it because it started having elect, like problems with the computer and shit. Mm -hmm. That's a thing that you don't think of, right? Because cars just—I mean, they all have computers these days. But sure. that thing is run by computers. You hit oh, hit the open door, and the door wouldn't open. You'd be like, "Oh, so now what? You can't actually physically open the door. <laughs> if you won't open the door. You're fucked, right? You have to yep. go the other way." Um, yep. Also, she had a few times where she ran out of gas instead. Well, out of really? electricity. <laughs> yeah. Once you do that, you're like, oh, now what? There's no, no you're, you're fucked. Like, can't yep. help you. You have to tow the car away. So, um, but the the model S that we got, the model S performance, me and Eric got, is strictly like a ridiculous fast car. So we're not taking it, we're not driving it to Orlando or some shit. We're literally doing quarter mile runs up and down Just the road in front of the office. Straight up and down, <laughs> up and back. That's it. Hell yeah. <laughs> It, 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 uh, I had Ryan over here. Took him uh, full on that way, and then full on back, and he had a headache, like he was concussed because it was so fucking fast. It's the tough. torque on them are out of hand. That's yeah. what blows my mind the most. Just watching him, uh, yeah, like it's it's nuts. I love them. I'm I'm so fascinated by it because these people, the people that are working on them, are just that's their 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 upper echelon of what they're capable of doing. It's crazy. It's crazy. It feels like a roller coaster. Hold on, Johnny. Let's let it play. Well, Johnny, you, you missed the beginning part of the whole thing. Is that the Tesla, Johnny? Yeah, versus Oh, here comes the Tesla. No, that's the GTR. Oh, well, so the GTR beat it. Well, it's 1,200 horsepower. So uh, 12, So start over at the, the beginning, Johnny. That's, you made it look like he, uh, Tesla lost. It did. You're, but you're supposed to make it look good. I know. He, not make it look bad. He took a bad dick pic. Yeah, okay, so, so the beginning that. where it's good, right? In the beginning, right? It's not going to beat it over. Uh, would it beat it over a quarter mile, I think? I don't think so, right? Mm. Not 1,200 horsepower GTR. It's the beginning part, Seth, where you hit it super mm -hmm. hard, zero to thirty, where it's like it's, it's it's almost instantaneous. All right, let's see it, Johnny. Here it goes. You ready, Seth? I'm ready. Should play some. Oh, it destroys him off that part. Wow. It's like really wow. launches, and then GTR takes it right about here because it has to rev up. I mean, it's th this car has no it just goes. There's no revving up of anything. Yeah, I, I, I beats him for a while. Look how much he beats him for. And oh, I took the back half for it to catch up. Yeah, crazy. Wow, crazy. Yeah, going about one twenty. All right, so let's get let's let's get into you, Seth. What? Uh, not get into. Not literally get into. You hear that, Seth? I haven't been there yet, but I'm excited for it. Start on talking. Yeah, let's start <laughs> talking about Seth. Okay. Yeah, the is getting excited over here. No, that's not what I meant. Put your pants back on, buddy. So, Seth, go ahead with your story. You said in 2014 or 15, go back to that. Uh, no, I was just uh, I was saying whenever we were talking about it, like we were talking about building supplement companies. And, uh, uh, you know, you guys, we could open our books and show everybody exactly how to run our company. And you could do the same with your company, like open information, all that. But at the end of the day, um, you, we still all have to do the work. Like you still have to put in the work and, and, and build the company. But um but no, I was just saying how whenever you and I, whenever uh, you and I started a relationship back in 2015, 
you was know, that and, and, I was talking to him about it, about we were at the, I mean, I, I knew you from before. Oh, that's right. In two, it was 2013. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead with that. That's what whenever, I, uh, I remember. I remember whenever the, the reason that I contacted you out of the gate back in 2015 was in 2013. That's whenever I was going through some uh, marital issues, personal issues. And I was like, fuck bodybuilding. I'm done. And that's whenever you, you had first started uh, Blackstone Labs. And you were like, well, if you ever think about coming back, please just give me a call first. And uh, and that's something that stuck with me because, you know, in this industry, it's always hard to build relationships or or, or work with people that want to see you succeed. And um, and then I remember whenever I was like, I think I want to come back in the end of 2015, I gave uh, you and PJ a call and I was like, I was like, let's, uh, what do you guys have to say, this, that? And we worked something out and it was great. It was, um, it was awesome coming back into the industry and uh, uh, just getting back into what I actually feel passion for. Because I was just talking about this with Hannah the other day. Uh, for as much dumb shit as I've done in my life, from fucking being in college and doing a ton of drugs and partying my ass off, and and not actually living to my full potential of what my brain capacity is. Like I was used to want to be a pharmacist or an engineer, and I went for safety sciences and had a modest job with a modest salary, then lost my job, and then wanted to be a pro bodybuilder, did well, then that went through and fell through. And then I went and had my own landscaping company where I was making five, six grand a month. Um, and then I went and got a safety consulting job after that. But the whole time I just, I, I, I all of those things led me to the point that I'm at right now. And right now, I couldn't, um, I, there's no other life I wouldn't want to live. I couldn't imagine, even though back then in my early 20s or mid 20s, if I would have graduated college and became a pharmacist and was well established making six figures and doing great back then, which I wasn't, but um, I wouldn't be in this position right now where I'm. I'm doing things that most people, uh, that 90, probably 95% of the world wishes they could do. Uh, so it's pretty wild to think that for all the mistakes I made and all the crazy fuck ups that have happened uh, has led me to this point where I've met people, like you said, you're down there and you're like, man, all these people that own these cars don't seem that much smarter than me. They don't seem like they're geniuses. I think they just hustle. They learn their craft. They learn themselves. They know who they are. And they're able to do incredible things. And I could put myself into that category where earlier in my life, I didn't live up to my full potential, but it never would have put me in this position that I'm in right now if I would have. So uh, that's where the part where I think that most people need to learn that even though you're young and dumb and you make mistakes or fuck up or do something really stupid or where your family's telling you're a moron or you have a kid young, um, you get fired you quit and go do something for less money. Uh, the relationships that you'll have throughout your life and the people that you'll meet will lead you into places that are phenomenal. The X factor, the constant that needs to continue throughout that is work. Has to be work. And you'll be in crazy places. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think you can be, well, I mean, maybe, but I think having that perspective of going through that bad stuff is also what leads to success. I mean, I've been bankrupt bad relationships you name it and you know that's the kind of stuff that always kept me going and pushed me forward because it's like i didn't want to be in that spot anymore i wanted to be somewhere else and yeah you just got to keep plugging along doing what you know you know how to do best so yeah no i think that's probably why you're at those 
the days of partying and all that crap, it leads you to where you're where you're at today. I know exactly. why you're the person you are today. I know, I know for me, Seth, is you know, because you were involved in all this, is if if it wasn't for those times at Blackstone and a lot of those times, not with me and you, but those times when after you came on board and you actually came on board a, a prime nutrition initially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and when I when I left, as you know, because you were you were really you were I mean, you weren't there physically there, but you were part of the team when I left. There was a lot of, uh, for me, it was a lot of uh, negativity, bad feelings. You know, when, when I left, it, I was, uh, for, the, for, the, for the few days that I left, or for a day or so that I left, I felt uh, depressed. And then I quickly decided to turn that into uh, progress and uh, contacted Eric and Eduardo. And we sat down at my kitchen table and like, well, fuck that. You can, I could be sad and depressed, but instead I'm going to crush it. And I'm going to, you know, make that company look like it was nothing and we're going to do it together and it's going to be better. And, it, and, it, and I mean, obviously it has been many multiples more than I ever expected. And uh, if it wasn't for that bad time, though, if it wasn't for that time of insecurity and, you know, uh, sadness, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to create this. So that that is a big thing that I think people often get lost in the fact that everybody has bad times. Everybody, even the, the most successful, happiest person you ever meet, they all have very bad times in their life. And it's up to them uh, or up to you or up to me or up to anybody to decide to use that for good or for bad. Are you going to be depressed and feel sorry for yourself? Or are you going to go out and kick ass and take names? So it's always up to you. Absolutely. And that's something that as, as, as I continue doing what I'm doing, uh, you know, learning, growing, going into uh, having meetings with uh, people that I'm like, man, this is a wild scenario to be in and doing everything that we do as a company every day it's uh it's a leveling up process and as everyone levels up and as you know and everything that you've done there's times where i'm like man this is some pretty wild shit right now fuck it i'm gonna go really hard uh you can't you can't the hesitation uh really can't be there anymore and it has taken a lot to get to this point but again five years ago five years ago i was living in uh uh, an 850 square foot home, uh, saving my money to do something great. And then uh, now I sit here in the position that I do and I'm like, man, I think anybody's capable of doing some wild shit as long as they're willing to work and sacrifice and learn from their mistakes. You have to be able to learn. You just, you can't just keep making the same stupid fucking mistake over and over and expect a different result. Mm -mm. Can't. No. Yeah, that's for sure. So Seth, Let's uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, bodybuilding. A lot of your fans, our fans, the show fans of Redcon One, remember Seth Ferrosi, who went pro very young, who created a lot of success very young. You won the Pittsburgh show, where you know, Jim Mannion's show in Pittsburgh, where you're from, and people started talking about you very, very early on, and you had tremendous success very quickly. And then all of a sudden, before people knew it, you're you're gone, like Jason Hub, but even faster than Jason. Jason made a, a calculated decision to stop. You had a little different circumstances. Tell us about that. Uh, so for, uh, I love bodybuilding. I've always wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. That was what I did. The more that I reflect upon it, um, I don't think I dreamed far enough at a young age. I think it was a little modest. Just I just wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. Um, so uh, it was awesome. I turned pro at a young age. I, was turned, I turned pro on my 25th birthday. Uh, it was awesome. It was great. And then uh, I did another show after that. My first, my pro debut, I turned uh, and I won that as well. But um, 
my home life wasn't the greatest thing in the world. And in a bad relationship, as anybody knows, you're not the best person you can be. When you're in a bad relationship, you become negative. The relationship becomes negative. Everything is toxic. In 2012, I had, did my first open show. I was, a two, I was in 202 bodybuilding, and then I did an open show. Uh, it was, I want to say it was June 6th of 2012, Yeah, the Toronto Pro, and it did not go well. I had a problem with my tan. I didn't diet hard enough. My home life wasn't too great. It was, uh, it was a bit ugly. Yeah, there it was. I was I was full, but I just wasn't myself where I was stupid, peeled, shredded, like 2% body fat next to death, just wild Seth look. The ferocity shredded, as Hani put it. Um, and then whenever I lost that show, I took sixth place. The big problem for me was I didn't handle it like a man. I handled it like a child. I whined, I bitched, I complained. I wanted to point the finger at other people. I was just, I'd never lost. In the four bodybuilding shows, this was my fifth. I'd won every show before that. And, um, and you know, everybody was saying that uh, I sucked and I should just do 212. And uh, I had big contracts at the time. I was making over $100,000 a year as just a, a young kid that was bodybuilding. So I was in this position that I'd never been in. Um, so after that show was over, Steve Bleckman from uh, Muscular Development said, you need to go down and do uh, a 212 show and qualify for that. That's where you're good at. We know you can come in shredded. And uh, at that show, I had uh, at the Toronto Pro, I felt like Honey and I weren't vibing right, uh, which was me being a fucking dumb kid. And then it turned out that I didn't want him to be my coach anymore. So I did uh, the Sarasota show. Uh, I think it was in end of August of 2012. And I fucking went hard as shit. I over dieted. I over cardioed. I over trained. Um, I over drugged. <laughs> you name it, I did overboard. And at that show, my body fell the fuck apart. Um, and at that same time, I was so focused on that that my um, my home life had become completely fucking shit show. And after the show was over, I said, "Fuck it, I'm done." I was like, I don't want to deal with nobody. I don't want to see bodybuilding ever again. Very childish. Uh, I just, everything in my life felt like it was crumbling. Uh, I wasn't happy. And two days after I lost that show, I took seventh place at the Sarasota show. Uh, two days after that show, uh, that one there is from the Dallas Europa. I was peeled there. Uh, but at the Sarasota show, I... Um, uh, after two days after I got a message, I got a, an envelope from Steve Bleckman saying, you're fired. So, <laughs> <laughs> I lost, uh, I lost, I think it was $55,000 contract in two days. So it was immediately gone. And I'm like, holy fuck, what am I going to do now? So, um, that's whenever I decided, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my family life. I'm going to do a good job there. I'm going to get a regular job and everything's going to be great. That didn't work either. It didn't. It didn't work out. It was uh, my relationship didn't get any better. But um, my passion for bodybuilding rekindled in 2015 because of Jason Ha. Yeah. Yeah. What, Jason Ha that made you rekindle your uh, love for bodybuilding. So uh, and Jason Ha were working on steel supplements. Yeah, I call. I was. Um, I, it was 2015, and I was. Uh, I called him up to get some advice about hormones because my shit was a mess. I was just, I was working a ton. 
Uh, this was probably mid 2015 and I was working, you know, 16 hours a day, uh, pretty much unhappy with my life. I wasn't lifting weights. I didn't lift weights for over a year. And, uh, he, I called him. I was like, I need some help, man. I was like, I need to get my body on track, yada, yada, yada. And then, um, so we got the bullshit and he's like, do you ever think about coming back? Like into the industry? And I'm like, not really, dude. He's like, I think you should. I think it'd be good for you. I think that your personality would really do great with social media, the way it is, Instagram. He's like, I think that your personality is needed in bodybuilding. And I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? I was like, that doesn't sound bad. So we, uh, he gave me a protocol to start with and he said, just go into the gym and fall back in love with the weights. So uh, from 2015, I just started lifting weights. And I started studying Instagram. I started watching it. I started being like, man, I was like, this is pretty cool. So I started seeing uh, just how social media worked because back in 2012, social media really wasn't a big deal. And um, I, uh, for months, I studied that. I worked and I was like, man, if I ever come back to doing this, if I do the Instagram thing, I was like, I got to own my own company. Last time I got to own my own shit. Uh, so that's where the whole concept of All American Roughneck came from of selling t shirts and hats was because uh, I was working uh, for a consulting firm doing oil and gas work, construction, uh, being a safety consultant, going to all these different places and saw hardcore America. I saw blue collar America. And I said, These are my people. I like these people. I don't see a lot of them on Instagram, but I know that if I come back, this is who I have to be. I have to be myself. I can't, I can't be somebody that somebody else wants me to be. And I was like, I'm from Western PA. I'm bearded. I really don't like shaving my body too much. Uh, I like my family. I like being a dad. I was like, I'm just a rough son of a bitch. That's, that's all I am. I have a foul mouth. And I was like, that's exactly who I'm going to be. I'm not going to filter shit. Because on Instagram, you can just be yourself. You can be anything that you want to be. And I was like, I'm just going to be who I am and not hold back. Um, and that's where, uh, I've built my relationship with Bob. Uh, whenever I came up with the idea of all American roughneck, I was like, I got this idea, but I don't know how to do the computer thing. And, uh, so that's where he and I were like, let's do it together. I said, uh, let's do it, but I can't pay you any money. But if it works, I'll give you 50% of everything that I ever do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shave a dick into your chest. I can do anything. <laughs> But uh, so he and I actually became not up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He and I became good friends. And uh, fortunately, we worked together for a while, making no money together with AAR and just continue to build the business. And then uh, it has just continued to explode and, um, uh, you know, called you guys in late 2015, whenever I was like, I think I'm, I'm ready to come back. Did the video. We um, we pushed for. We push for doing great things. That's what I, I've never settled. I didn't want anything less than to do something great and inspire people and want them to become proud of who they are, actually, not be proud of being who they're not or trying to fake who they are. Even You can even be some podunk, silly son of a bitch from Western PA and do great things. Yeah. Well, uh, well you definitely have. And so I looked through my emails today because I was, so we have a meeting before on Thursdays, uh, uh, for the readiness uh, report here. And so we did the meeting and I, and I went back through my emails 
to see what was the emails like how did it how did this whole thing happen and um i should have said gave you the emails johnny i don't know if seth would want that or not but i have all the emails and uh you sent the video the initial video from yeah. american roughnecks to to me it was like this is my concept what do you think and it was like two minutes and 10 seconds and it's the oh no 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 if you had the video johnny it's like the you know what i'm talking about right yeah, yeah. oh i remember it and chopping wood and shooting guns and cooking burgers and you know gases and and uh, that was the that was the video and uh, i remember watching it because i watched it again i remember when i watched it the first time i was like holy shit like this is good like i actually and to be honest with you seth i liked you already and, and i knew you're a great bodybuilder right i knew you're a great bodybuilder i knew you're a nice guy so i remember that first time we actually talked where you were with muscle tech and i'm like hey man like come come to uh come to uh, me if when you're ready to leave because this muscle tech thing is not gonna be forever make sure you come to me i remember that very distinctly um but i didn't remember this video until i watched it so give it to us johnny oh i want to hear the music we can't do the music oh no okay well honestly there's no music the music kind of made the whole thing and i can't i can't really replicate it that was the best thing i was gonna forward it to about halfway when he's chopping the wood and shit this is chopping the wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, blowing shit up in that part, Johnny. Hit it. Hold on. Boom. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, that. You just wanted to see a shirtless man. Oh, chopping. yeah. Harry does. He's Harry, so I know Eduardo would like this. <laughs> anyway, you can't get the you can't get the feel of the whole thing, Seth, without the music, but. I remember watching this and be like, well, he, he's actually onto something. Like, this is gonna, this is actually gonna work. And yeah. not, I, I'll I'll tell you, Seth, I can't always um uh, make something cool. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I, fortunately we've made some cool shit, but yeah. I'm not the best at making, I can almost always tell whether I like it or not, if something's gonna be cool or not. That's like my special, my uh, as Astro, my son would say, my super, my superpower is to tell if something is gonna be cool or not. Even if I don't think it's cool, this I thought was cool, but I could tell it was also going to be popular. And I remember telling you, like, "Hey, man, this is like good. Like, we should figure out how to do this together." And I uh, remember. <laughs> did in a way. We got we got Primatrician and Seth Ferrosi together. But I remember telling you, like, how do, how do I get to be part of the shirt thing, right? Yeah, I remember. I remember it was uh, you know, this was the concept that I had. I remember whenever uh, whenever I was thinking of it, I was like, "This is what people need to see." because I think that this is regular America. I was like, everybody, for at least for me, like, um, uh, again, I didn't want to pretend to be something that I wasn't because whenever I was with Muscle Tech and it was a great experience, uh, I was the clean cut white guy, you know? And, uh, and I was like, I kind of continued to live in that bubble of not swearing as much, even though I grew up in a fucking wood shop and was just foul mouth perverted shit every day. Um, it was one of those things I was like, whenever I do this, wearing this shirt, wearing an all American roughneck shirt, um, it, whenever you see the graphics, whenever you see what it is, you shouldn't have to ask many questions. You'll know exactly what it is. Um, and that's what we wanted. We wanted it to be more than just, it's not just a t-shirt. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. And anybody that sees another person wearing an AAR shirt relates back to me and it holds me accountable to be the best person that I can be in every aspect of my life. Um, so that was how I was like, the t-shirts will work because it's more than just a t-shirt. It's actually, it has a whole lot of meaning behind it.
And I worked with people every single day, the thousands of people all over this area that I worked with were just like me. These hardcore, rough, ignorant sons of bitches on job sites that were huge softies because they had a daughter that they were working overtime for to put through college. So they go from being these rough guys at work to just being these absolutely outstanding human beings. And I was like, that's, that's me. So I'm the, that's who I'm going to be. I'm not going to stop being that person. Yeah. Well, you've definitely done that. And you've definitely ingratiated yourself to those, those type of people, which is a lot of the, the Redcon people too, that, that are probably watching this at this very moment. Uh, so I want to kind of transition to current events. So we're in a weird place in the world, in the history of the world, arguably, you know, there's been a lot of, that's the one thing people don't realize, right? And I think that people are very caught up in what's going on now and don't actually don't have the ability to compare it to, to the distant history because people don't study history. It's not, it's not in vogue these days, but in the history of humanity, we're really not in that bad a time, right? This is probably more stable than most other times. You look into the Middle Ages and certainly uh, the plague and all the other crazy shit that's happened. This early is, 20th century, even. Early, yeah, really, we are really honestly, even though this doesn't feel like it, and I admit, even to me, it doesn't feel like it, we are probably in the golden ages of humanity. We are certainly in the golden ages in terms of safety, in terms of security, in terms of disease, in terms of medicine, there's probably no better time to be born and be alive than right now, which obviously it doesn't feel like that, admittedly. But right now, it is a pretty crazy time. How has uh, COVID-19 and all the craziness that surrounds uh, America right now affected you and your business? It hasn't really affected business too bad. Uh, you know, dealing with wholesale customers like you guys know, whenever foot traffic stops in a store, uh, you, you'll be, you just, it's like, holy shit. These people that do not know how to sell direct to consumer via the internet are now going to take a hit in their stores because there's no foot traffic. They're not allowed to be open. So, uh, I'd say that in the beginning they got hit, they got hit in the beginning, but, um, there was a very quick bounce back. We were able to just resume normal work practices. We still came to work. We, all of our, uh, employees that, all of our employees that worked in the office, we were able to send them home and set them up with home offices so that they were able to work from home. Uh, we became, we had to become somewhat of a remote company from an office standpoint. Um, we put new practices in the place for our uh, shipping department, but it hasn't really affected us as a company too bad, which is very, very fortunate. We're somebody that was in this position where um, we do have great customers direct to consumer online and the wholesale customers did take a hit in the beginning, but we did anything we could to make sure that we helped them through this time because we knew they were in, they were hurting. Um, but no, uh, the only thing that, the only thing that really bummed me out the most was that affected us was the gymnastics. Um, we had to shut the gymnastics down. Nobody was allowed in. Uh, and then after, I want to say it was probably seven weeks. That's whenever Hannah and I said, you know what, let's, uh, let's open up to our private members with new, um, uh, with new practices in place and make sure that we bring in the, bring in the mums and any and the other workers to clean everything and wipe everything down and make sure that everything is all cleaned on a more regular than we were already doing. Um, so, but uh, that was, that's the only thing that really bummed us out was everything to do with the kids. But now we're, now the businesses are doing very well. Uh, gymnastics is back up and running. Um, bigger than it was before, more kids, more girls, everybody's excited. Uh, and then, yeah, not really bad. From a from a family standpoint, 
probably going to homeschool the kids. <laughs> I don't want to send the kids to wearing school, going to school with a mask on. I don't want them to have to sit in a fucking, they're going to have these plexiglass things around them possibly. Uh, like, mm -mm, not going to do it. Uh, I talked to my oldest. She's like, how about I just do cyber school and do more gymnastics? And I'm like, kid, I'm cool with it. As long as you still socialize and don't get too weird on me, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, but no, that, that's pretty much all that affected us. We've been very fortunate through it. And uh, uh, through, through all of it, we as a company have done as much as we could to support all the local small businesses, all the local restaurants, um, like as much as food as we could buy from them, we were getting as much takeout because nothing would break my heart more than to see small businesses go out of business. Can't see. That'd, that'd kill me. Bulk in business from oh my god! Everybody's ordering food and overeating all day long. Look at these girls. They got your genetics, huh, man. Look at these. They're jacked. These They're kids fucked. are fucking animals. <laughs> They're fucking animals, dude. I ain't gonna. I'm not even gonna pull no punches. These kids are out of control. Um, gymnastics is a wild sport. I'm in love with it. To see them do it uh, is it's incredible. It, it, I I am. I am a gym dad. I get stupid excited. I get very competitive. I I can't live through the kids, but at every meet, I kind of lose my shit at least once. Uh, but I absolutely love it. It's awesome. Your nickname is Karen. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, bro, I've lost it at a meet with six-year-olds. I have. I'll be like, this judging's fucking bullshit. I was like, these judges are playing favorites to the home gym. This is this is out of hand. It's not supposed to be this way. Heart flipping chairs and water buckets. <laughs> yeah, stomping on the bleachers and shit. I've done it. <laughs> so, so I mean, we're 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 pretty much the same way over here. I mean, Eric and I own the Red Hell One gym together, and uh, the gym obviously was shut down. Just like yeah. the gymnastics place. And it's very. I mean, we are fortunate enough, thank God, to be able to go to the gym because we own it, right? Yeah. But to, to go to the gym by yourself or very, very, very few people. And it's a, our gym is 18,000 square feet. So it's, it's big enough to feel extremely, extremely empty. And yes. uh, you go there and it shouldn't be like that. Like our gym, the gym has been really, I mean, has, has grown tremendously. And we have, you know, now we have almost a thousand members. Wow. And uh, it's, it was super, super weird. And if we couldn't have went to the gym, I don't know what we would have done. I, mean, oh, I lost my I, fucking mind. I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I honestly don't know. If I if I wasn't able to go to the gym for months on end, I don't know. And a lot of the people, the members, I felt very, very sorry for and didn't know. Because there's no real right way to handle it. And one of the things we did, decided to do, was not allow friends, family to go to the gym. Because then you have to say, well, it's like for you, Seth. If you were like, yeah, some of the girls, your friends can go, but nobody else can go. And then you just, you just fucking can't do that. No, you can't. For us, we had so many people. I had people that were either my friends or thought they're my friends. <laughs> Kidding me up. And be like, can I, I can come, right? I can come, right? It's like, no, you, you can't. I would love for you to come, but you can't come. And uh, it was a really weird, uh, weird time for us. Just like I'm sure it was a weird time for you where it's like, you know, not only the losing, the losing money is, is, a, is obviously a huge deal. I mean, we were losing oh, yeah. $1,000 a month, basically, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big money. Yeah. I mean, and that's a huge deal, but, but the fact that like, you know, honestly, that was probably the biggest deal to be honest with you, but it was, there was also the, the fact that, that the gym shouldn't be empty if it like changed life so dramatically. Yeah. Because you think like, you know, there's 110 jobs here at the office that we provide in the local bulk area. So, you know, we really feel like we're part of the community, but you know, we weren't just going to do a gym in the office. And then that opportunity came up because it allowed us to be even a bigger part of the local community. And, 
you know, we're connected to the community through that gym. We see these people multiple times yeah. a day there. And then you go in and it's like, oh, something's there. missing, yeah. you know, and it's the people that we've built these relationships with. So that's where, yeah, it was nice to do like the prep with nobody around to bug you. But at the same time, it was like, shit, there's no life in here. The thing we were doing momentum is just kind of like stale at this point. Yeah. We, we experienced all that same stuff that you did, Seth. And, uh, and then for our office, you know, it was really weird to have a lot of people very, very scared, you know? And, uh, so, so we're in a situation very similar to you, not as dramatic as you. I think you're, you're more direct to consumer than us. Yeah. Uh, we initially started almost hundred percent direct to consumer, but as the years went by, now we're about, well, we were pre COVID, we were 50% direct to consumer, 50% wholesale international, uh, you know, anything other than direct to consumer. Yeah. And, and right now we're probably closer to 70%, I would say. Yeah. 70% direct to consumer, which, which is probably a good thing because, um, the, obviously, as you know, Seth, the margins are much higher direct to consumer. Yeah. We picked up a lot of, uh, a lot of new people. So our direct to consumer is way past where we were before, you know, yep. Um, but our wholesale is way down. So uh, this month in uh, in July, we will be almost back to our best month ever. Not quite, not quite, probably, but we'll be right around there. No, in one of the and and one of the worst times for supplements anyway. <laughs> Summer times, July and August. <laughs> July yeah, the is the bottom of the trough, and yeah. then it's. Cold. But no, but you're you're right. I think that people that uh, people with shipping departments like you guys have a, a big time shipping department as do we like that. We knew our direct to consumer was strong. We know it's stronger than the wholesale side of things. But the most important thing is, is the people that had that infrastructure built before COVID yeah. were able to make sure they got through this pretty well. Yeah. If you, if you don't, and most of the, interestingly enough, Seth, and you already know this, but people out there may not know that is that the legacy brands, people basically think, and they are the biggest brands in the industry, like a Cellucor, like an Optimum, Mm -hmm. and etc right i'm gonna list them all but uh the ones that are, are bigger than redcon um or well bsn's bigger than redcon anymore but the, the ones, <laughs> the kind of ones right Put me on the spot yeah, huh? <laughs> uh, i don't know if uh, uh if the if those ones they don't have that they didn't focus that part of the business legacy brands don't have direct to consumer so those brands like the optimum etc they don't like how do you handle that you have no direct to consumer at all and then all of a sudden all, all the businesses direct to consumer, it can hurt a legacy brand or, you know, quite a few businesses in the world bad enough that, that they may not be here anymore. Not that Optimum would be okay. I'm sure yeah. people from Glambia, they're, they're going to be fine, but lots of yeah. brands are in bad, bad positions. We know one that I won't say the name has a few hundred employees that, that fired almost 70% of their total employees. Yep. So what do you do? And I can't, so like for us, you know, we have, a, as Eric said, we, I think we have almost 120 employees here at the, at the office. If we lost 70% of them, we would no longer be able to operate. No. <laughs> I don't know about you, Seth. If you lose 70% of your business, of your people, what, what happens? No, I don't feel like working that hard again. Packages. I'll be doing all the, I'll, yeah, we'll be packing orders and doing all that. No, it's, you're right. It's, uh, if you didn't have, uh, the infrastructure that needs to be built is very important. And um, yeah, I couldn't imagine uh, if you you put all your eggs in one basket, you're going to be up shit creek at one point in your life, and it ain't going to be fun. Yeah, you have no no way to pivot. Yeah, mm -mm. it can be a it can be a really desperate situation. And you know, and, I, and, and incidentally, you know, like we talked about before, I do think competition is a good thing, and I don't want uh, BSN like, optimum to fail. I think no. that would be 
bad for everybody. I'm not, I'm not rooting for that. I want them to do well. Like I said, I don't want them to do better than Redcon, but yes, I want them to do well. You know, that's why, you know, one of the funny things that Trump said that people got all upset about that I always wonder, like, I'm thinking, like, what's the problem? You say it, people, he said America first. And people got upset about that. I'm like, what is wrong with people that you get, Americans will get upset about that? Of course, America first. If Seth told me, if Seth said, I want Redcon to do better than, you know, than any of your companies, oh. <laughs> it should be second to Redcon. I think something was wrong with you. Yes, I agree 100%. That's something that's crazy that, uh, that I don't know if it's the young generation. I don't know what it is, but I think to myself, I'm like, you should wake up every day and want to be the baddest son of a bitch possible. You should want to become the best at what you do to better for your life, your family, and for your kids to see you do. Like your kids watch everything that you do. And if you have children, you should want to be the best at what you do so they can see it and then become better versions of you. I mean, that's what I hope for in my life. And, and the fact that people get upset about that blows my mind. I saw, uh, I actually screenshot it. I'll put it, I'll pull it up right now. I was uh, scrolling through Instagram and I saw something from Thomas Sowell. He said, I have never understood why, why it is greed to want to keep the money that you have earned, but not greed, when, but not greed to want to take somebody else's money. Like if you are working hard for your money, and sacrifice to have what you have, then you should deserve that. But if somebody wants to take my money because they think I have too much of it, or you have too much success or fame or money or whatever, I don't understand the concept behind that. Okay. So whenever people get mad at Trump for saying America first, you're out of your fucking mind. So I want I want to be the best at this. I want that. You should. You should want. I mean, then. So that so I've been <laughs> so when I don't understand something, uh, generally my my uh, I guess my mo is to, to try to figure it out and then kind of understand it and maybe even master it potentially. So I've been seeing so much stuff recently with the Black Lives Matter stuff and a lot of other things where they talk about Marxist, right? So uh, I knew who Karl Marx was. I'm aware with that with that uh, who it is. What it, what does it mean? I kind of had an idea like that means where everybody shares the wealth, right? Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what it meant, what it meant. I didn't understand how Karl Marx or Marxism became popular all of a sudden in America. And what it was, what does it even fucking mean? So I started researching it because it seems to start, it has become more and more prevalent where you hear the word Marxism, you hear the word, uh, or you hear that, what you just said, where it's okay to share the wealth or people need to give the wealth. If they're too wealthy, they should you know, re-appropriate uh, the wealth, redistribute the wealth to other people. That's what you should do. Now, you're hearing that more and more and more. And so I started researching it. And one of the things I found very, very interesting when, when researching Marxism was uh, some of his policies or some of his uh, beliefs. So Karl Marx was basically, I mean, he's basically a fucking moron, honestly, but, but he was certainly a smart, well-respected guy at the time, not super well-respected. He got more well-respected later on after he passed away. But the thing that he really believed was that um, unemployment was a pejorative word where you're making people feel bad to be unemployed. Unemployment should be equivalent to freedom. That means you are free. So if you um, are not interested in being a fisherman, but like to fish in the morning, you want to study during the day, but you want to be a critic at night, you don't need to be a... Uh, a fisherman. You shouldn't be a, a, a scholar. You don't need to be a critic. You should do them all. You don't have to do anything. You can just relax, live a life of leisure and pursue your own happiness because there's so many resources 
on earth that everyone should have a car. Everyone should have a house. Every, he didn't say car or any of that shit, but you, everyone should have everything they want. You should have all, everyone should have something of everything. And you don't need to have somebody that has more. And eventually you should shoot for communism, which will be where everybody owns everything and there's no private property. Well, right? if nobody has any motivation or impetus to do anything because you're all going to be the same. Nobody's going to do shit, right? And that we've seen that over and over again. And the big thing that happens with, with this system is you have people, the 0.01% that control everything and are totally corrupt and kill everybody who disagrees. Um, and, and so for us, for our system, right? Yeah, you have huge inequality where you have people that are way, way richer than the poorest people, but they got there because of the hard work or they got there because the hard work of even their parents. Well, you could say that's bullshit, but there was hard work that went into it versus the, these other systems where if somebody wants to work too hard, you just kill them and take all their shit. And, uh, and that's the, 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 literally the king or the, whatever the, you know, the, uh, mousing, you know, they're all the people that have, you know, Stalin or whoever, right. Who, who get to control the very huge majority of everything and then just kill everybody else, anyone that wants it. So this is a system that doesn't work. It's been proven over and over again, and nobody's ever been successful doing it. But for some reason it is, you know, we have a resurgence here in America right now where people think this may be a good idea. I don't really understand it uh, to the point where how it got to that point. Uh, I guess I kind of do because you see that 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 cliche that cr cliche uh, phrase where it's like hard times build tough men, uh, easy times build soft men or weak men. Uh, I think right now, right now, I think a lot of people are missing something key in life, and I believe that's self worth. Like uh, anything for me, if you don't have that feeling of uh, succeeding at something or have uh, feel that you've contributed to something and you've never actually felt having worth, like you being worth something, you're going to always point the finger, blame other people for uh, any shortcomings you have in your life. You're, uh, you're never going to actually breach your full potential. Because I know uh, having self-worth is something that has made me who I am today. And like I said, shit, five years ago, I didn't really have much. And now I have a whole fucking lot. Um, and uh, nobody really handed me anything. I had to work for every single thing. And I think that this young generation that are believing this Marxist mentality um, are coming from a standpoint of never actually doing anything in life. Because whenever you actually do succeed at something or you do accomplish something and you feel that self-worth, you feel that success, you no longer want anything handed to you. You want to go after it and get fucking more. Um, so I don't know if it was a, maybe a parenting thing along the way that these kids have grown up in that. I don't know if it was indoctrinated to them and through school or through the participation trophies or maybe a group of all of it. Maybe it's just all of those things combining into one because... Um, Either, you know, you hear about them all the time through social media. So uh, I think that I think that uh, if I'm going to put, you know, if I'm going to become a conspiracy theorist or anything you want to say about like those type of thoughts. Um, I think that uh, those point zero zero one percent of people that are actually running the world, I think that could have been a goal, because if it was my goal to tear apart the world or tear apart the country or tear apart the only free country left on the fucking planet this is quite the way to go about it 
think they're doing a pretty good fucking job of pinning people against what America was built on. And it's scary as shit. Yeah, one of the things you said, Seth, you know, I think uh, I've got a son that's 23, so it's it's interesting to see like his generation versus maybe mine or a little bit younger, where you know everything. You know, I hate to sound like an old man at this point, but um, you know, it, I see so many people that identify with someone else. Like you, you, you're probably a lot like me. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks or says. I get up every morning. I mean, I got to be a different version of myself a lot of times because the the real versions probably get me in a lot of trouble. But um, you know, so sometimes I got to throttle things. But you know. People don't want to be the best version of them. They want to be someone else. They want to live their lifestyle, never go to war, but have all the spoils of war. And that's just not how shit works. So, but unfortunately, I think there's this whole generation of that. And again, part of it is parenting, um, you know, that you don't teach your kids what reality really is. You know, it was one of the things like we always did with our oldest is we made him go through all the bills with us. We're like, all right, you want to break that? This is what it costs. This is what it costs to run this household. So, you know, and again, he's in that generation. And, um, but again, it's, it's a, I'm with you. It's a multifaceted thing. And unfortunately, nobody wants to be the best version of themselves. They just want to be something else. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I was, I'm generalizing with that generation because uh, that young generation, we have quite a few of them that work for us. Uh, and they are incredibly hard workers. But um, I think that uh, watching them grow at the company from, you know, their early 20s, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old, and them actually climbing the ladder at the business and feeling that self-worth, feeling success from actually working hard because we drive them into the ground. Um, it's, uh, it's those things that I think help build character and build people. And I think that's missing today. That's, that, that's what I would say is missing the most is, is that self-worth, that, uh, that uh, hard work, dude putting in the work and actually feeling accomplished. Yeah, we just had, uh, not long ago, was D-Day. You know, it was uh, the, the anniversary of D-Day. And uh, I told Eric, I think I told you, Eric. I'm like, man, can you, so by the way, Seth, uh, full disclosure, we have a lot of millennials that work for us too. And most of them are pretty goddamn good. <laughs> yeah, dude. Generalizing, generalizing. Like Seth said, if you're watching, you're, you're, don't worry about it. You're good, man. Or girl, good. Both of you. Or any other or however pronoun, you identify. Any pronoun you want, you're good. But, and, dude, but at the same time, back in the day, whenever I was young, I did such dumb shit. You know <laughs> what I mean? I was a fuck up at times too. And it's it's that learning. But at no point did I ever like learn other people. What's that? Are you saying the millennials you have are all fuck ups? No, 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 no. Now you're putting words in my mouth. You can't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like, but I'm saying about the people that are, that are thinking this way. And it's like, man, like you said, you, you, you sit down and do your bills with your kid and then they look through and they're like, Oh shit. You know, it's that, uh, it's, it's understanding and it's just learning. And, uh, and again, you know, me, I'm very fortunate that, that, that Hannah is here taking care of the kids. The majority of the day we do gymnastics and she runs all gymnastics and all that, but the kids see us work all the time and if i didn't have a great support system that i do right now i wouldn't have all these great things and i wouldn't have the ability because i'm always tied up and if i'm always tied up then i can't be the dad i am and i might not be the parent i was but i make sure that i keep those things on the forefront of my mind and but that's me personally some people might not be that way you know so i think that's uh you know fuck it's life life's tough 
but people just need to find, I don't like finding excuses. Uh -uh. Very, that's very important. I think that, uh, you know, ultimately family is number one. And, uh, I think, you know, even for me, so for me, if I didn't have Gary L and all the, and the boys, you know, I'm an extremely obsessive person to, to a, to a, a detriment, right? Not, not, a, not a positive thing. It's become a positive thing, but I'm a very obsessive compulsive person. If I didn't have that forced balance, I would just be here thinking about this all the time. And I'd be driving Eduardo, Eric and Jenny and I'm crazy constantly being like thinking about this and being like a, a maniac. And, and so for me, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that stuff, that's, that is the stuff that's truly important uh, for, for everybody. I mean, ultimately for everybody. And if you don't have that and, and you have the, the nature that, that I have, or that maybe that you have Seth, you could, uh, you could truly drive people away and, and, and create negativity versus success, you know? Oh yeah. I'm an asshole. Grounded <laughs> here from through her. She's the better half of me. I now know what it's like to have somebody who the you know, and that goes back to traditional values of the love of a good woman, you know, and that and that's what makes me such a great man. But if I didn't have that, I'd be a little bit of a fucking mess. I definitely people would definitely I'd micromanage the fuck out of everybody. It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. <laughs> so Seth, we, we do a rapid fire get to know segment, but before we go to that, tell me about like so you know. Before when so I have an email from you and I'm not gonna you know I don't know how much you want to get into this, but it is an email where you say crazy shit was the topic. So I, I obviously like I said I looked into the. Oh, yeah. do, you, do you remember the crazy shit email? You can't possibly remember that, right? What do you mean, like back in the day, crazy shit? Oh, it's crazy. No, it wasn't like it was bad crazy shit. <laughs> it was like oh, it was so fun. It was like so you're going through a tough time in your life around 2015 or so. And you have such a different life now. I just wanted to have you touch on that for a moment about, and I don't know what level you want to talk about it, but in your life you had, you did have serious difficulties in 2015 and, uh, and you overcame them uh, and, and created this success right after that, which is interesting because, you know, usually when people have really serious difficulties, it's not a time of growth. It's a time of trying to either figure out what to do next or, you know, often, which is sad, is uh, a time of depression, sadness, and kind of introvert, being introverted, right? But you took that kind of time and created the success you've seen from that point forward. Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is a subject that, that, that I've discussed many times on the podcast uh, and just talking and doing other podcasts and interviews like this. But, you know, uh, the reason that I've been open to talking about all of it is because like you said earlier about yourself, whenever you're able to reach somebody on a personal level and help them become a better person, that's what it's all about. Uh, my home life wasn't the greatest thing. It was a negative relationship where neither one of us were being the best people that we could be. Uh, but you know, everybody thinks, oh, we should stick it out because we have kids and we should just keep doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. Well, whenever you're in that type of relationship, uh, you know, m my ex, uh, she took, she chose the path of, of, of drugs and then they pretty much overtook her, overtook her life, overtook everything that she uh, was doing. Her family, it took everything. Um, it was really tough to watch. It was difficult to be a part of and see, but I watched it occur and it's one of the things that you don't wish upon like your worst enemy. Uh, but there's no hiding what occurred. And it was that thing that uh, changed me as a human being and had a huge impact on who I am today because I had to take full custody of my children. 
I had to now take over absolutely everything. I had to uh, be everything to them, uh, all while building a business and keeping my shit together and not losing my mind. Uh, and at that point, that was in 2000, 2000, end of 2016, early 2017 is whenever all the shit actually hit the fan. And um, I, uh, I was on my own with them, two little girls. Uh, and at that point, that's whenever I said, okay, I remember my daughters crying themselves to sleep. I remember them, you know, sl sleeping next to me. I remember them uh, sleeping in the corner of the rooms, doing these weird, awkward things. And I'm like, holy fuck, dude, this is way bigger than I thought. This is way more intense than I could imagine. And I remember at the time I sat there and I was sitting there thinking to myself, okay, you cannot do anything to fuck their lives up. No drugs, no alcohol. You can't do, you need to change who you are and become the most incredible person you could imagine. And that's where I think like that whole concept of uh, being the hero of your own movie came into play. Like I heard Joe Rogan say it, I'm like, it's my time, my time. I can't fucking not be this person. And uh, so didn't do drugs, didn't drink any alcohol. Shit, it was probably seven, eight months, six, six, seven months. I didn't go, no alcohol, no drugs. I just was focused every single day and ran myself into the ground with the business, ran myself into the ground with my kids. I was like, I have to be this incredible person. Um, and to say that it took a toll on me would be a lie. It did. It was fucking tough. But at the end of the day, whenever I was doing all this, I was becoming stronger and stronger. I was... Um, I was becoming this person that I dreamed I could become, but I didn't know was actually inside of me. Uh, but at the time I was also sitting there lonely. I was like, man, I was like, it'd be nice to just meet a girl. Cause for six months I was sitting by myself with my kids and I actually didn't really like women. I didn't trust them. Kind of thought they were all whores, including my mother and grandma. I was like, fuck all women. <laughs> so it was, uh, <laughs> It was an ugly time for me at that. I was like, now I know why dad called her a bitch so many times. <laughs> but uh, but I was like, I'm look. I was like, I'd, I'd sit there and dream about it. I'd sit there and think about it. I'd be like, man, I was like, it'd be really nice to just go on vacation with somebody who just loved me. Just do simple, sweet things that I was getting all sappy and emotional. I'm all I'm geared out of my mind at the time as well because I was training like an animal. And I was like, but I just want to be loved. And uh, as going through it, I'm like, but I'm not going to settle for just anything. I was like, I want to find somebody who's going to love me. I want to find somebody that's going to love my kids unconditionally. I want to find somebody that's going to make me feel incredible for who I am and make me a better version of myself. And um, that's whenever uh, uh, I met Hannah in... We met, it was, I believe, the end of September in 2017, and we started talking in October of 2017, and uh, she's 10 years younger than I am, and I was like, what the fuck am I going to have in common with somebody that's 10 years younger than me? I'm thinking, no fucking way, and Bob, my business partner, was like, hey, dude, I think you need to go on a date. I think you should go meet somebody, because I had talked to other girls, and I had I had uh, tried dating other women and it just, it was girls that were my age, older than me, younger than me. And it just, I just always found something wrong with them. And I said, I want to find somebody that likes the same things I do. And we just enjoy each other's company. And that's whenever uh, I met Hannah and uh, she's, like I said, 10 years younger than me. And we ended up hitting it off. 
it was crazy because I never, you could have never fucking told me someone 10 years younger than me was going to be the person for me. And uh, she's just the sweetest person in the world. Actually a wonderfully good hearted person. So that was where it became like the best side of me came out whenever she was around. The best side of me came out because of her, her, her sweetness, her, her love for my children, her, her enthusiasm for life, um, her goals that she was going for. I was like, holy shit. Like, I think this actually might work, but then I'd be like, nope, fuck her. I'm like, nope, mm -mm, not gonna, I'm not gonna let it come inside me. So for like, uh, for like probably about six months, uh, we, I, I let my previous really previous relationship play a role in my head of being like, nope, don't trust her. Don't trust her. Don't trust her. And then I was like, man, you're a fucking psychopath. You got to calm down. This is an actual good person who loves you, who loves your children, who does nothing but great things. And then, uh, my guard came down and, uh, the rest is history. We have incredible things together. We just had our first son together. Um, that's why I think a lot of people come to me for advice through life with relationships is because, uh, you know, there's not many things that I haven't been through in life or things that I haven't done. I have experienced a good bit. It's been intense. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm open. I talk a ton. So, uh, there's always open for criticism and people to say this or that. But at the end of the day, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know how I know the value that I hold in my family, my people, and I have been crazy in the past and done a lot of crazy fucked up shit, but I want nothing but great things for my family, my people, my businesses, my relationships with everybody throughout the, throughout the world with our businesses. I mean, fuck, dude, I don't wish what I went through upon anybody. However, it built me into who I am today. So people that do go through it, um, it's that thing where I'm like, you can get through it, dude. You just have to be ready to go through things and do things that you might not want to do. Go through a lot of feelings that'll suck, uh, but you can't mask it with drugs, alcohol, anything like that. You got to just live it. So um, first off, congratulations on your son. That's a huge deal. Yeah, it's awesome. First son. And uh, before we get into the, 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 flat, the rapid fire questions, are there going to be more children in your future with your wife that's 10 years younger than you? So this son of a bitch was dead set on one kid. Told me, I was like, yeah, we're done. You can get snipped after the baby. Everything's cool. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay. I love my, I love kids. I'm such a sucker for them. Like I like the whole gymnastics gym. It's so cool seeing all the young girls grow and do great things. And uh, so we had the baby. It was great. So we're in the hospital and I'm like, yeah. I was like, so we got the baby. I was like, was it going to get snipped, huh? And she's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. He's way too cute. Maybe more. And I'm like, Oh shit, really? <laughs> so there might be another one. No, no, yet. We'll see. Yeah, good for We're you. We're enjoying this. Listen, if it was up to me, I'd have as many as I could possibly have. So good for you. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. For like fucking 10. That's I always told Darielle eight. She's <laughs> not even four, but I've always said eight. Eight, eight's the number for me. <laughs> she, she always goes, yeah. you'll, have, you'll, you'll have all boys too. All of them. Eight. Every single one of them. Maybe like eight. So you going to be like the Duggars? What's the, who's the Duggars? People with like 19 kids. I'd have 19 kids. I really would. I honestly would. If she would say 19 kids, I'd be like, fuck it, let's do it. What, you want our uterus just to no, call I don't away? care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> just planting a seed, dude. More, More the like better. Clown car vagina. Like. 
I don't care. Once it once it gets like eight or nine, then what does it even matter after that? I'm not even sure if he got her pregnant because it just wash. You're gonna make her not want to do it now. She paid me to say that. All right, so Seth, Seth, let's get into these questions. My first question from Rapid Fire to get to know Seth is, what's the deal with the hand tattoo? Oh, uh, so the hand tattoo was, uh, so I got a tattoo on my wrist here that was, uh, uh, it says, a father never forgets. That was when in 2013 I got that to remind myself that I got to keep the kids on the forefront of my mind. Uh, it's something that just made sure I always just remind me of everything that I do. And uh, whenever I was going through all the shit with my relationship, the I needed something to never let me forget what the fuck I have going on in my life. It was intense. So uh, the tattoos I have are, um, uh, they all have a little bit of meaning to me to not let me ever forget what's going on in my life and what's important. Things that are, all, that are always going to be there. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good reason. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I remember when you had no tattoos. So I remember yeah. seeing that first tattoo or I didn't see that. I don't remember seeing that one. Maybe uh, we were, uh, we were separated maybe by then, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> when he got that one. But then I saw the hand tattoo. I remember when I saw it even, because I was at the Houston uh, Expo, which is like the first thing that they did. With, I don't think, I don't even know if they're doing Yeah, the American it. Fit Expo, right? Yeah. And I remember seeing you and I walked up like, what the fuck's going on with you, bro? You got like, like, no tattoos, like this whole thing on your fingers and shit. Oh, yeah. It's funny how it goes like now that wouldn't even be that big a deal. You'd be like, oh, that's cool. But like back then, even it's only how many years ago was that? How many right. years? Only four or five? Yeah, four, four or five. Yeah, four wow. years ago. Four years ago, nobody did that. You were like the guy who did that. And then now, you, you if you you'd have to like do it all over your face now to be like get me to do that now. Oh yeah, be wild. No, I I mean I'm I'm gonna end up getting a few more, but don't don't touch it. No, no, no. You know what's wild though is the people in Australia. Like a lot of neck tattoos in Australia. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, I saw a ton when we went over. Oh yeah, it's a big deal. People it's do that. Thing. Thing. Yeah, blew my mind. I was like, man, there's a lot of fucking tattoos here. It's crazy. Yeah, don't do that either. I, my suggestion. Do everything. My suggestion, don't do any neck or face tattoos. My suggestion. Uh, well, but my but my hands are naked right now because we have a business agreement of no hand <laughs> <laughs> No hand tattoos. You're good, bro. You're good. You already have it, so there's nothing I can say. Um, oh shit. Right. Um, because look for for me and Eric, Eric can cover, he can wear a long sleeve shirt, and he looks like a regular, you know, gray-haired businessman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great dick bush, huh? <laughs> we don't tell them that, okay? All right? Don't talk about your dick bush. It's gonna totally turn off the guys at fucking Walmart. <laughs> oh, shit. Bentonville doesn't like that shit. So. Great bush. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, what's your question? You got a question for Seth, or am I going right to my next question? No, I think. Well, I, I pretty much just you know probably ruined myself yeah. right okay. now. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, so the best piece of advice you've ever received, Seth. Uh, I know we're putting on the spot. Just come up. Nah, with I'd probably say the advice that I got from my dad, uh, I hated him. I worked for that dude so many years growing up. Uh, I hated him for so long, but whenever I started, whenever I started my own business, it's like, he never really was like, he thought I was crazy a couple of times, but he never really said like, you're stupid. And uh, his thing was, he said, you just have to pick your 16. And I was like, 
what's that mean, dude? And he says, it don't matter what hours of the day you want to work. You just have to pick the 16 hours a day and work those 16. He's like, it could be from 6 a.m. to fucking 12 p.m. He's like, or 12, 12 a.m. He's like, it doesn't matter what hours. You just have to pick your 16 and work the ever-loving fuck out of them. So uh, I think that in business, anybody is capable of doing anything. You just have to understand you're going to sacrifice a ton of time. Pick your sixteen and go to fuck to work. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that would work here with our guys. No. Well, maybe some. Probably some Pick people. Your sixteen, but so sixteen like uh, twice on a week or. <laughs> yeah, but then look at you. That's exactly what you did. You can't tell me that you don't go home and you're like, oh, man. oh everything's great. You're like, fuck you, dude. I'm on, I'm back in work. Seth, Seth, my wife is is on here watching apparently, so she'll tell you. Both no. of ours are. Oh, both of our wives. Are. I'm sure I'm gonna go home. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, we're 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 no. No, no, I'm like, yeah, 20. 20. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, I mean, it consumes me, and that's what I love. It's the best piece of advice you've gotten in my life. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a really tough question, actually. I didn't know Seth did a pretty good job. But my best piece of advice I've ever gotten it wasn't from my dad. I don't know. My dad, my dad was a great guy, Seth, but he doesn't, he didn't give advice on business. I don't, I, you know. It's it's a serious. Do you have something? You have something. Now I'll think about why you answer. Because I, well, like I you think I always remember like what your grandfather told you at Shoney's. Uh, my grandfather told me some good shit at Shoney's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. So my grandfather told me, Seth, and for people listening out there, something I talked about my dad's eulogy. So my grandfather told me, um, he said, um, so I was a fuck up, right? And and when my uh, when I was a kid, I went to my grandfather Charlie Singerman and. and Grandma Francis, they brought me to Shoney's, which was their favorite place because they're cheap, cheap as hell. Salad <laughs> <laughs> bar and shit. So we go there. They share and, a plate. Uh, yeah, literally. They're, they're ridiculous. And they, they did not need to share a plate, but they did it anyway. Um, we went there and they said, hey, well, not my grandmother. Grandma didn't say much, but my, my grandfather, Charlie Singerman, said, so what would, what would people think of you if you died today? Uh, and at 17, you're like, I don't know. And he said, would they think good things or bad things? And I was like, well, I guess they would think bad things. And he goes, okay, so that is all that matters. That is the truth of what matters. When you die, when you pass away, your legacy of what people think of you, what your family and the people you care about, not these motherfuckers on the internet or shit. He didn't say that, but not these people, morons on the internet or whatever, these people who don't mean anything. The people you love and care about, people you know, and that are important to you, what they say about you and what they believe about you going forward is truly all that matters. That is the that is what life is about. Because when you die, you won't say, I wish I had more money or I wish I had more things or I had more whatever. So what you're going to care about when you pass away, when you're at, at your last day, is what will your family and people you care about say about you? What would they say about you? And I said, well, they probably won't say anything good. And he goes, well, then your life is a failure. And you will be, you'll amount to nothing. So think about what you want your life to mean and who you want it to mean something to and focus on that. And, uh, and that is a big, that was a big, there's a lot more to it, but that's a big, um, a big motivating factor to me and thing that I think about. And I talked about because my life, my, my father's life, while he didn't make a big difference to the world, he didn't push business forward. He didn't do things that maybe my goals are. He did leave everybody um, who cared about him that knew him um, something very important. So he left all those people to say great things about him 
anybody that knew him would say positive things and uh, would remember him extremely fondly and talk about him to other people that they knew and, and give, you know, amazing uh, stories. And, you know, so, so for, for me that, and what Eric said, you know, that is a very important piece of advice because ultimately what's important to you right now, whether it's a, a fancy car or a great vacation or whatever, those aren't the things that matter. Those aren't, on, on, honestly are not the things that are really important at the end of the day, when you are, you know, passing away, when you're dying. Um, my grandpa, Charlie, when he was 86 years old, and he was dying. He wasn't thinking about, he wish you would have had a cooler car. <laughs> he was thinking about the people that he cares about think of him and who, how is he remembered? And, uh, and that's a really cool thing to think about. And if you truly embrace that now, as a 30, 40, 20 year old, then you will really guide your life in a positive way because that's part of like giving back to your community, giving back to people that are important to giving to your family. Cause that's really truly what, what life means because everybody dies, you know, and uh, along the way, what positive impact do you do? And that's really what, that's what, that's what Eric was saying. Absolutely. It's a, and that's a great way to look at life. I mean, there's, if you're not looking at it that way, you're missing something. You know, I love everything that we work for. I am a workaholic, but at the end of the day, like, you know, going home to your family and, and like having a, having a son and just having children in general to carry on just a little piece of you throughout life is always going to be incredible. I love it. It's awesome. So uh, Ryan, why don't we go to the question and answer for Seth or any, for us or whatever. So we can end the show with that before we get going. Um, we got six for Seth. Six for Seth. Okay. Seth for six. Let's go. Let's now, do it. Okay. Michael Duggerty says, question for Seth. If you didn't go into bodybuilding, what would you have done as a job? Uh, so I mentioned it a little earlier. I was, uh, uh, I thought about being a pharmacist in school. I was in, I was fucking stupid good at calculus and, uh, and science. Those were my subjects were math and science. I wanted to be a pharmacist, but then I was like, nah, it's too hard. I can't do it. I didn't think good enough for myself. And then um, <clears throat> I became a safety consultant. So OSHA, EPA, DOT regulations, all those things. That's why I have a college degree in. But if I, uh, I was thinking about it, I would have loved to have done engineering, build things. Uh, civil engineer would have been something that I love to do. But um, knowing this now, shit. Like, I mean, yeah, there I go. There you go, posting that up. I, I still build some things. Uh, just might take me a little bit longer than the average person. But uh, no, I love construction work, uh, but definitely probably would have did safety. I was pretty good at that as well. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Building stuff. So, you know, uh, Carl Marx says that, <laughs> says that uh, physical labor is the only important thing in life and that that's what gives you fulfillment. Nothing else can. So just yeah. what's next? Another bag of shit. Uh, so Seth, explain is that, no, I already did this one. The tattoo. So on here, I have the. I mean, there's there's one thing. The 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 tree that's on my hand is signifying like my life as it grows through life. Um, oh my goodness! There we go. Uh, the roots go through to the fingers on the tree. Um, there's a, there's a snake that wraps around the tree in there, and it's kind of letting everybody know that there always is going to be evil in the world. Like I use the snake as a symbol symbol as evil, and it doesn't let it, it. It always reminds me that motherfucker, there are bad people in the world. And today, I think that people do forget that evil does exist. Like there are people with ill fucking intentions in life. So that's where that part. And then uh, 
the, the bird on here is a, is a raven. It's not an eagle. People think it's an eagle, but it's a raven signifying intelligence. You cannot be fucking stupid in life. You have to be smart. You have to make good decisions. You cannot be dumb. You have to use your head and think about everything that you do, every step that you take. You cannot think, you cannot not think far ahead of things. You have to be in front of it. Um, and then the skull that I have on there is uh, signifying death. It's a part of life. It's going to happen. You can't be afraid of it. So every single day, you better fucking live, dude. You better enjoy your life. You better work for it. You better uh, do things that make you feel incredible and do things that make other people feel incredible because you might die at the snap of the fingers. Yeah. I like your tattoos. And uh, and I don't want to think about it too much because then I'll get a lot of tattoos. So I'm going to move yeah, on. Yeah, no, I, I, everyone has something mean, some type of meaning well, I, to me. I like all that shit. So it's like I could see myself looking at my tattoos and be like, yeah, family's important, right? So I'm not going to. Uh, we're gonna move on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any tattoos. I don't want any tattoos. I'm, like I said, I'm such an addictive, crazy person. I know how I am. Oh yeah. About this before. Oh, yeah. I don't want to have. If I have one tattoo, tattoos. If I have one tattoo, no, I know how I'd be. I, I already know how I'd be. Big so star David, right here. Yeah. <laughs> no tattoos. I have no tattoos. We're not starting now. It's like mm -hmm. not happening. Cat, yeah, kiss. <laughs> oh my, my whole, whole fucking thing. You never know with me, man. So this is something that I have right here on my page also. Uh, would you consider making a comeback to the stage, Seth? Oh, man, no. Mm -mm. One last show, Seth. Not anymore, dude. Not anymore. I, I thought about it. Uh, I thought about it a couple years ago, uh, a little less than a little less than two years ago. Um, I, dude, I love bodybuilding. I fucking love it. It's so intense. It is something that it's just me. It's who I am. It made me this intense person. I love the training. I love the intensity. I love it all. But um, it's past me. I, I put all my effort into business. Uh, the competitive side of me is through business. I look at the video you're playing now. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, I remember feeling that. I still I'm getting now that I, my triceps recovered. I'm getting back into training. But uh, so uh, whenever I went for in for surgery, I had to get my blood work done and my blood work didn't look too good. Uh, it looked a little bit like shit. And that's whenever that's whenever I saw John Meadows. He ended up. Uh, John Meadows had a blood clot. You saw uh, everything happen with some of these young bodybuilders. You, you guys know with with Dallas, these things. Uh, these this sport is not for the faint of heart. Yes. Whenever you're doing this sport, you are living. You are not. People are like, oh, you're killing yourself. No, you're fucking living. You're doing something that so few people in the world will ever ever get to feel. Um, but now that I'm in the position I am with the businesses, the family, um, I have to, the, the stage will never be part of my life because part of being a professional bodybuilder is, is the steroids. And, um, uh, I did a lot of them. I had a lot of fun, but right now uh, I want to focus on business and just take care of my health, take care of my family and do great things and support, uh, support some of the bodybuilders that are coming up now. You know, what, you know what's funny is people will, say, will maybe think this is not a logical thing for a bodybuilder because I'm obviously a, I'm a, a very big bodybuilding fan and probably one of the biggest supporters of bodybuilding. Oh yeah, in the, maybe in the world. I don't know. I mean, one of the we're one of the biggest supporters of a lot of shows. Maybe we are the biggest supporter in the world. Fuck, who knows now? But um, we, uh, you know, we support. But I love bodybuilding and I'd love to see you make a return to the stage because I think you do very, very, very well, especially right now. But on the flip side of that, I also think that you're making a very smart decision. I think that it's stupid to focus your efforts and energy towards something that is um, 
it's almost like a depreciating asset for you. It's like focusing on a car, you know? Yeah. It's not something that you're going to, you're not going to be Mr. Olympia now and make more money than you're doing now. It's not going to be something that benefits. It's something that's a, almost a vanity metrics. Like you're like, oh, I won this show. I did this. It doesn't fucking matter. You're doing great now and you're, you're focusing your efforts and energy on something that's much more beneficial. As much as I love it as a bodybuilding fan, I love to All see right. you there and go head to head with flex lewis and see who's better really oh right? uh, yeah all those things are all those things are great but i don't i just and to be honest i don't have uh bro i see some of these young kids and the passion that they have and and the intensity and i'm like man i was like that's my energy towards my business like i go in every day think like a shark act like a shark swim like a fucking shark but that's in business and whenever i look at them they're like that's them on stage that's them in the gym i'm like you motherfuckers are who i used to be uh, so I, I love watching that. Being said, there's not there's not a lot of guys out there like you used to be though. That's the interesting thing that the, the, the bodybuilding. Not that there's less. Uh, I mean, it's funny because there's so on a, on a strictly bodybuilding like us here, nobody's listening thing. There's more access to knowledge, drugs, and just general intelligence on diet and what's going on in the world now than there's ever been ever. So when I was a kid. You couldn't, so I, when I was a kid, so Seth, this is a good story. So when I, was a teenager, I went to the gym at French River Spa, French River Spa in Metairie, Louisiana, outside it was Veterans Memorial Boulevard and uh, Cleary. And I'd go to French River Spa and nobody would talk. There was no internet. Nobody talked about steroids. Nobody knew shit about shit. And I would go up to the biggest guy there, Joey, who's a huge bodybuilder. And I'd be like, hey, how's it going? And I'd want to ask him about Decker or whatever, but I wouldn't have the balls. I'd be like, hey, Hey, so like, what are you doing today? Because I didn't have the balls to ask him, right? And and I met Mike Matarazzo in, a, in 1996, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna go ask him about like private. I'm gonna ask him like, what's the what's the shit I need, right? But when I got up to him, I was like, your calves are big. Can you take a Polaroid, please? Like, I don't want I don't want to say anything to the guy. And that's how life was. That's how bodybuilding was at that point. Now it's such a different lifetime. It's a different like a epoch, right? Where everybody has all the information. They have all the access but they have none of the knowledge, none of the skill. How's that work? You got frozen Seth. He, he doesn't want to say, man. He's keeping he's his like, knowledge yeah, to himself. He's, he's like, how? I'm carrying out I'm not saying shit. <laughs> Did his phone die? All right. Okay. Well, Seth, Seth was great. We have to run anyway. So Seth Frosty is one hell of a good guy. He was very honest with us, talked all kinds of good information. He is a uh, he's a great person, a great uh, bodybuilding, you know. Is that? Oh no, that's not him. That's just the that's just that's the guy that looks like him. Oh no, it's the bearded man with big muscles and a hand tattoo. Uh, so we really appreciate people tuning in for the show. We had to go anyway because we're getting late. And uh, to be honest with you, we asked all the questions we had to ask. So uh, Seth Frosi is a very smart solid individual who has created a future that he has designed for himself. And to be honest, Derek, that's got to be truly the, the, you know, the hopeful eventuality of people in this industry period. Yeah. And that's the thing he did it his way. He stayed true to himself, who he was, and he was still able to do, be successful. Very so, successful. Yeah. Create all kinds of businesses for himself. So from the beginning of Seth Ferrosi, where he was a amateur bodybuilder coming up in, in, in Pittsburgh, right. Yeah. All the way to, the muscle tech contract and doing well to working with red kind of red uh, blackstone prime nutrition and then whatever blackstone to right now when he created his own business entities he has become a uh, a fixture in bodybuilding without competing in bodybuilding very similar to his friend 
and maybe mentor Jason Huh. So um, I'm proud of uh, Seth. I, I like him very much. I think he's a great guy. And I think that people out there, young bodybuilders who are in the fitness industry, who are interested in becoming the next level or the next generation of uh, bodybuilders, they should take a close look at Seth Verosi and Jason Huh, because these are two guys who were not the best in the world. They were not Jay Cutler, Phil Heath, uh, and Ronnie Coleman, but they created a business and a life for themselves after bodybuilding within bodybuilding and fitness industry. And that's truly what, what always impresses me because, you know, you have a lot of bodybuilders when I was a kid, uh, with the exception, you know, Kevin Lavroni and obviously Sean Ray stayed in the industry. A lot of bodybuilders that I thought were so great that were never able to truly capture the industry and keep going on, you know, we had even Chris Cormier, who I love, who's a great friend of mine. There was a long period of time where he was like lost in what to do. And, uh, and he recaptured the bodybuilding industry, fitness industry recently. But it was like, man, there's so many guys who are so legendary in bodybuilding and fitness industry who weren't able to capitalize on it, create a legacy in it, and also be part of it once they were no longer competing. And Seth Ferrosi uh, did that. Oh, there he is. She's back. Oh, I got back. It kicked it off, kicked me out for a minute. I apologize, guys. Okay. I was, I was giving you a, a wonderful uh, exit. But uh, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll let you, you know, we're about to we're about to end the show, Seth. But please give us the uh, outro. You go ahead. No, I, I mean, I, I again, guys, thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to fans. It's always a pleasure to do these things. It just talk to people that have uh, that have like minded uh, concepts to life, business, uh, just the the way you go about your 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 life, your day, your family, your work, being obsessive. Wanting, wanting incredible things out of life, but also appreciating the simple things like, uh, like not forgetting where you came from, not forgetting what it's like to struggle. Those are the things that I think a lot of fans connect with. Uh, that's what makes them connect with brands. That's what make, makes them connect with people. And uh, I really appreciate you guys put me on this, uh, uh, put me in a position to be able to speak to, to people and do this. I, I absolutely love it. Um, and yeah, man, fucking A. I'm just, you know what I'm really excited? I, 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 do the most I missed out of the whole fucking coronavirus and everything going on is trade shows. Yeah. You know, whenever you get to go to the Arnold, uh, it's like, you know, it's the Arnold's always fun because it's the huge boots. You used to do it whenever you were a kid, you'd walk through and just be like, man, one day I'm going to own shit here. I did the same things to now I do. And I'm like, nothing's better than going and, and seeing what you guys do and seeing what we do and seeing what other people do. Um, and just seeing the excitement for the fans and everything that they do. Um, that's what I miss the most because that's really whenever it's the only time like however I, I really see you other than on the internet here you talk through, through a text or see the shit's going on in your life and live from a distance uh, but no I, I I'm excited for all those things to return to actually meet fans in person shake their hands hear the stories and just enjoy it all enjoy what the industry actually is me too Seth me too yeah I can't wait to get back to life at the shows and life in general and traveling I mean we have been very, very, very few places since March. I, I was fortunate enough to go to the Arnold and, and uh, do the uh, the webcast. Yeah. And uh, if it wasn't for Arnold, that, I hadn't been to it since '96. No shit. Yep, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It ended his streak, <laughs> and so for I went with uh, Wardo and and Luke. Unfortunately, unfortunately, whatever. And um, you know, we did the webcast, and it was very, very memorable for more reasons than one. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad that I was able to go to that. And since then we've only went one other place ever. And, and 
I'm ready to get the fuck out of here and go do some shit. And so, me too. I know you. I know you're a huge hotel guy. Yeah, That's I, your shit, man. You. I know you miss going to hotels. I'm. I'm. I'm a steakhouse. I'm like. I just miss going to a steakhouse in every city we go to. I'm both. Yeah. What's that? I'm both. I'm a steakhouse and hotel guy. Oh <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah. I'm just gonna get out of here. So give me some place to go, man. Let's go. <laughs> the invitation's open to come up here to Pittsburgh. When you come up, dude. Got to have you on the podcast. It'll be a good time. I need to go to Pittsburgh. I have to go. Put me a flight to Pittsburgh. Make him chop wood. I'm not chopping. <laughs> He's like, I ain't doing shit. When the restaurant's open, yeah, Seth will do that. Hey, can you shape a dick into his chest? Oh no, no, no! He's touching my chest. Dicks. <laughs> All right, Seth. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. We do a, a segment on the show generally uh, once in a while. We've only done one so far, but we do a uh, a a show where we do a panel, a panel discussion. Jason Hud told me in the next panel discussion, he's on it. I'd love to have you on that panel discussion with, with Jason. And uh, we need to get somebody really, really liberal all the way to the left to, to argue against you guys. And then we'll, uh, we'll have a lot of fun. What do you I'd, think? I'd, I'd love it. I appreciate it, man, for sure. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Seth. We really appreciate you having you on. And uh, we will be back next week, myself and Eric. Seth will be uh, back at the next panel discussion, which is going to be exciting because we're going to make that very drama-filled. And uh, we are on the way right now to uh, Eric and I and Eduardo are going to a whole thing to see uh, Medal of Honor winner Ed, Ed Byers speak tomorrow morning. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys had a great night and hopefully you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week, next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you guys for showing up. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>